Hello, Friday. Good morning and welcome to the program. Marcus Paul in the morning on this January the 22nd. Great to have your company. Um, Not too far away from Australia Day and for those living in Sydney and around the coast areas, we're expecting a bit of a heatwave. From today and leading up to Australia Day, it's going to be pretty warm over the weekend, so please, if you are going to the beach or you're going near any water, be very, very careful. Unfortunately, this morning at Coffs Harbour, and I'll go into detail in a moment, but we've already got somebody missing at sea. Details in just a couple of moments. Look, if you want to be a part of the program this morning, please do. 13 12 69 is the telephone number. 13 12 69. If you want to send me a text, you can do that as well. 0458 049 209. And the email is there for you as well. You can send one directly into the studio to me here. All you need to do is hit MP in the morning at 2SM, supernetwork.com for all your email correspondence. Welcome to the program, eight minutes after six, and I want to start with this story, uh, in particular for my listeners on the mid-north coast, up around 2HC, Coffs Harbour. Police are appealing for help as they search for a man believed to be missing in the water off Coffs. At around 6.30 last night, emergency services responded to reports a man was walking along the break wall at Jordan Esplanade when a wave hit and he disappeared. Now, police have been told by a witness who'd been walking in front of the man that he was no longer behind her after a large wave broke over the wall. Now, police officers from Coffs and Clarence attended and they started a search of the area with the help of the Marine Area Command, Marine Rescue, AMBOS, Westpac Lifesaver Helicopter and Coffs Harbour Lifeguards. The search continued and police were appealing for anyone with information who may have seen the man to come forward. Now, he's described as being aged in his 20s, quite muscular, average height with dark hair. He may have been wearing a red shirt with grey or beige shorts and red shoes. I hope we have a good ending to this. I hope the bloke, I don't know, dusted himself off and went home. We can only hope so. one 800 if you have any details for coughs, please. Yep, there's been a warning, of course, for dangerous surf in the last couple of days. It will start to ease up, which is good news, but again, it's just another example, hopefully not a tragic example, of why we need to be very careful around water. And as the temperature rises over the coming days, it is a concern. All right, I see the Information Commissioner has referred Premier Gladys Berejiklian to ICAC over the shredding of documents relating to the Stronger Communities Fund. Shadow Minister for Local Government Greg Warren says whilst Labor welcomes this referral... The report highlights the flaws in the process of grant programs and the government's mismanagement of information for their own political gain. 
Mr Warren said it must be noted the Premier personally oversaw and influenced the distribution of taxpayers' money for political benefit that was supposed to uh, be delivered to communities that desperately needed it. What does this mean? Well, not much. But the Commissioner recommended Parliament consider the creation of a new offence for the reckless destruction of government information. Like I continually say, others have gone for far, far less. The Information Commissioner has also referred the matter to the State Archives and Records Authority to investigate possible offences under the State Records Act. The damning report from the Information Commissioner comes after Mr Warren wrote to the Commissioner in October of last year. He said, and I quote, Gladys Berejiklian used public money for blatantly political purposes and then her staff destroyed evidence to cover up the Premier's involvement in this dodgy scheme. These were public funds to be spent on local communities, not funds to be used to buy votes for the New South Wales Liberals and Nationals. Councils and communities across this state are required to jump through hoops and endless red tape in order to be eligible for such grant money. Let's have a chat to Greg Warren. Morning, Greg. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Yeah, good. We know that over 95% of this $252 million fund was used for political purposes and awarded to projects in coalition-held seats before the last state election. What do you make of uh, the news this morning? Well, I mean, the Information Commission has done their job and they've investigated the matter um, and under the guidelines with her commission, uh, she's done the right thing and referred this to the ICAC. I mean, there continues to be questions around the use of this taxpayers' money for political purposes. I mean, it has become very clear that there is not only a breakdown in process, but there's also been a breakdown in terms of the process of distributing this money for the benefit of communities. And it goes right to the top. I mean, the Premier intervened in this process to use this money for the benefit of political gain rather than the benefit of communities who desperately needed it. I'm told constantly by listeners to my program and those who interact with me on social media that if it was your mob, if it was Labor, there'd be an outcry. Why is the Premier of New South Wales seemingly covered in Teflon? Yeah, well, you're, look, you're right. I mean, if it, if we're in government, who knows what, what the uh, public perception would be, but I can totally understand, you know, um, members of our community and certainly um, other interested parties... Uh, having that perception because... I mean, mean, Barry O'Farrell went for an undeclared bottle of plonk. Here we've got the Premier of New South Wales before ICAC for a a relationship with a man who's as dodgy as a, you know, a vindaloo uh, in a back street in India. And and at the end of the day, nobody is held accountable or responsible for any of this, Greg. I don't understand. Yeah, no, I mean, it's an arrogance that I've never seen. Um, I mean, we had a a federal uh, minister have to stand aside. I think she might have even been the deputy, uh, yeah, the deputy prime minister at that time or leader in the nationals stand aside for less under the sports rorts uh, grant. But here we have hundreds of millions of dollars being, uh, the guidelines for the use of that money being changed. 
so that it could be invested for political purposes and 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 no one seems to care. The the the, the premier um, Gladys Berejiklian just says, "Yeah, that's fine. That's just how we do things." Yeah. Um, and and it's like everyone just has to cop it. Well, I'm not going to cop it, and I'm not going to stop either. I think it's totally inappropriate. There are communities that missed out that desperately needed that money, and this isn't about me. This isn't about Gladys Berejiklian. This is about the democracy of government and the use of public funds for the betterment of what it should be used for. This government and the, and the Premier personally intervened to change guidelines for the use of this money. I think it's grossly unfair and the community deserves better and I won't be giving up. All right, Greg, we'll chat with you more on this, I'm sure. Thank you, mate. Have a good day. You too. Thanks, mate. All right, there Bye. he is, uh, Greg Warren. And understandably, he's quite annoyed. I don't blame him. And isn't it awful? I can hear... I can hear the... Uh, the flabbergasted nature of his demeanour when he's discussing the issue. When I put to him very clearly that others have been in all sorts of trouble for far less, there's just a sigh of, well, you know, we're trying to point out what's going on here, but... Anyway, no, we'll talk more on this, 13, 12, 69, if you'd like to have you say. Marcus Paul in the morning... <laughs> For our listeners up in Coffs Harbour this morning on 2HC and those who are on the mid-north coast, let's have a chat to Joanne Elliott from Police Headquarters. We have a missing man, I believe, in Coffs Harbour. Uh, Good morning, Joanne. How are you? I'm well, Marcus. How are you? Good. Thank you for your time. Now, the uh, release that I have here says a woman was walking along uh, the beach, well, sorry, the break wall area, and uh, there was a young man behind her. A wave crashed over and he was no longer to be seen. Is Have we found him yet? No. Look, um, when w- my night shift has just clocked off, they tell me that um, they searched until 10 o'clock last night. Um, but yes, the report to police was that this witness said the man had just um, been, she'd been walking in front of him. Yeah. This big wave crashed over. She turned around. He wasn't there. Um, so she's very um, properly contacted emergency services and they had um, the local police as well as Marine Area Command officers, Marine Rescue, Ambos, the Westpac Chopper and Coffs Harbour Lifeguards out searching. And uh, they searched till 10 o'clock last night, but then they had to suspend the search. Of course. So has it started yet this morning, Joanne, or they about They are to? coordinating it now. It's going to be coordinated by uh, Water Police Headquarters down here and all the Coffs Harbour Water Police will be involved, obviously. Um, but that's going to kick off around uh, 8 o'clock this morning and um, we'll have local police again. We'll have local water police, surf lifesavers, marine rescue and uh, the local council lifeguards involved as well as <clears throat> any other aerial support. And look, as the search continues, we actually have a description of the man that we believe may have been involved. And he was described as being aged in his 20s of a muscular build, average height, dark hair. And at the time, he may have been wearing a red shirt and lighter coloured shorts and red shoes. So it was quite a good description as well that this lady was able to provide. Unfortunately, when we last checked, no, there hadn't been any sight. We had done um, patrols of the foreshore overnight, but there's been no sight of him at this point in time. So we'll resuming soon. All right. We have our fingers, toes and everything crossed, Joanne, for a 
uh, a good outcome on this. Again, it's just another reminder of why we need to heed the warnings of rogue surf and dangerous conditions on our coastline. And as things start to warm up, we've got a heatwave on the way ahead of Australia Day. Please, please take it nice and easy around our waterways. Thank you, Marcus. Really appreciate your help and we'll keep your newsroom appraised. Appreciate it. There she is uh, from Police HQ in Sydney, Joanne Elliott, on the search for a man who's apparently been washed out to sea in Coffs Harbour. We'll keep you updated on this. Marcus Paul in the morning. It's 19 minutes after six. 19 after five in Queensland. Our telephone number 13 12 69. Give us a call. Say hey on this Friday. Alright, welcome back. Uh, 26 after 6. We're going to go to the 6.30 news in just a few moments. 5.30 in Queensland. Now, as you know, we have Malcolm Roberts on the program yesterday. He's up there in the Hunter. I see the Newcastle Herald's been running some stories. New rounds of political polling in the Hunter as One Nation coal miner gets ready for a second challenge to Joel Fitzgibbon. Joel's taken to social media this morning, again uh, letting us know that he plans to put the Labor back into Labor. I wonder whether he's feeling the pinch. We might speak to Fitzy on the program this morning. Um, And also Stuart Bonds. He's the One Nation candidate up there apparently applying the pressure and the screws to Fitzy. We'll see what happens. Look, ahead of Australia Day, we're being asked to support local jobs and our economy by choosing Aussie Timber First. The nation's domestic timber industry currently employs around 45,000 Australians and contributes $24 billion in economic benefits. We need to support our Australian timber industry. News. Yes, good morning. Welcome back to the program on this Friday, Jan 22. Well, is at the start of the... Uh, the heat wave. I just heard Michaela for our Sydney audience mention 35 degrees plus in Sydney's west today. Stinking hot. 13 12 69, the telephone number if you would like to have you say. Marcus Paul in the morning. Look, temporary visa holders are being deported or kicked out of the country, if you like, for breaching COVID public health orders. With a French national being booted out yesterday over his role in organising an illegal New Year rave party. Immigration Minister Alex Hawke says several people have already been deported as part of a border force operation targeting non-citizens breaking coronavirus safety measures. Well, hear, hear. This bloody ponytailed lunatic who thought it'd be fun to organise an illegal rave party is now on his way back home. Under Operation Baritone, Australian Border Force has issued hundreds of formal warnings eight visa cancellations and conducted several removals from Australia of non-citizens for breaching COVID-19 laws. People who are guests in our country need to do the right thing during the pandemic, just as Australians must. Border Force confirmed that a man was deported back to France this week over his role in organising a rave party west of Gympie in Queensland over the New Year period. (laughs) See you, mate. Don't come back either. Well done uh, to the Australian Border Force. Speaking of international travellers, I'm reading that international travellers coming to Australia will have to take a COVID-19 test and return a negative result within three days of their scheduled flight. 
PCR tests will be required within 72 hours prior to departure for international travellers. That's according to the Health Minister Greg Hunt. He also said masks will also be mandatory on all international flights. Why are we still bringing people into the country at the moment? Oh, for God's sake. Training is underway and extra staff have been brought on in preparation for the vaccine rollout. Health Minister Greg Hunt announced yesterday he had orders under the Biosecurity Act to introduce the new rules unveiled after National Cabinet two weeks ago. As of January 22, that's today, PCR or COVID tests will be required within 72 hours prior to departure for international travellers. Masks will be required on international flights. I ask the question again, why are we still bringing people into our country at this very moment? Okay, 22 minutes away from seven. Residents in Western Sydney are fuming after it was revealed a major residential development was granted approval to significantly increase its heights. The Benelong Parkway site will now be 15 storeys tall instead of the original nine. Locals say the development will stick out like a sore thumb because it will be much taller than surrounding buildings. There are also concerns the local school will be overwhelmed and that there aren't enough transport options <coughs> Excuse me, to support an influx of residents. Boy, oh boy, what's happening here? I don't think Parramatta Council uh, are too happy about it, are they? Let's find out. Parramatta Councillor uh, Patricia Prosif joins us on the program. Uh, Patricia, good morning to you. Good morning. What can you tell me about this? The towers uh, have been approved at 15 storeys despite the original limit of nine. Um, The actual development itself has been approved by the Department of Planning. Um, But my concerns are the lack of consultation, well, not the lack of consultation, but the fact that 1,400 people actually put in submissions Mm. opposing this and it was approved anyway. It's almost as if the 1,400 submissions of people wanting, um, you know, their local area to maintain its visual um, outlook have been ignored, Patricia. Uh, yes, well, they have been ignored, but it wasn't only the visual outlook that's the, really the main concern. It's of course. the lack of, um, there's only one road in, one road out. The, uh, there's no public transport of any, any note, and there's only half a primary school there, yeah. and no high school. So the concept plan for two 15-storey apartment buildings at Wentworth Point means they will almost double in height, almost be double in height to compare to neighbouring buildings, which reach a limit of nine storeys. Initially, the 23 Benelong Parkway site was permitted to be nine storeys, but in 2018, Piety Development's Proprietary Limited sought to increase the height to 35 and 25 storeys. Boy, it could have been a lot more higher. Uh, no, not really, but they've had four... This is the fourth attempt to do this uh, development to increase this height, and every time the residents have put in these applic- these submissions, and I think it's the fact that they go to all this trouble, they care um, about their area. It takes a lot of time to put in a submission because you have to address the criteria, yes. and they're being ignored. And so why have 
you know, why have a community consultation if you're going to ignore the results? Well, you're right. It makes a mockery of it, doesn't it? It's like a farce. What's the point of people of asking people to respond if you're then not going to take their responses into consideration or even seriously? Well, it's box ticking. And I think it's box ticking at its worst. You know, like... Um, there's box ticking and box ticking and I think this one is farcical mm. that so many people can put in these submissions and they're ignored, yeah, as I say. Well, yeah. at the moment there are around 13,000 residents living in the area. They're projecting around 25,000 and there's been no provisions, as you say, for additional road or additional transport. We've got a, a primary school there that's quite small and there's no secondary school either. No, uh, you can't put an additional road in. There is only one road. There's no room <laughs> for any more roads. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the public tra- transport is terrible, but there's no park. You know, there's, it's, it's, a, it's a suburb that's bereft of, of any uh, infrastructure. It's, yeah. um, or any infrastructure there at the moment is being provided by the developers. The state government has not put any infrastructure into Wentworth Point, and yet the Department of Planning is, is um, you know, allowing increase in, in height and density. The other issue, of course, as you say, is traffic. Cars are parked uh, uh, and queued along the road there. Locals are already concerned about lengthy traffic delays during heavily congested periods. Uh, I mean, the planning department, have they... Have there been any um, calls for the developer in this instance to include parking arrangements, to include open spaces like parklands, or is it just a you know a, a concrete jungle? Well, there's only so much ground, you know, and one you can't magic more ground. Yeah, but so they can go one... down, though. Of course, they can all, all, all they can always put parking underneath the uh, yeah, the tower. There is. Parking is always underneath, but when you have so many residents and you have, because of the lack of public transport out there, people, everybody drives a car. They don't have any choice. Uh, So there's an enormous number of cars. The parking is at a premium. Underground parking is at a premium. There is very little on the street parking and more development, like, you know, increased development, up this end of the of Wentworth Point, it will only exacerbate the problem because it's not only Wentworth Point, it's all the people that drive down from up in Olympic Park, which is also being uh, developed by the Sydney Olympic Park people. Yeah, we might have to speak to the planning department on this. Uh, they deem the height increase to be, quote-unquote, consistent with the evolving character of Wentworth Points, and it was satisfied it wouldn't result in any unreasonable traffic impacts. Well, they obviously haven't listened to the locals. I mean, I would imagine not many people from the planning department live out there at Wentworth Point. There's no, uh, there's no real uh, point at all of asking for public submissions if 1,500 people, 1,500 locals in the area are going to put one in, go to the trouble, as you say, of, of letting the planning department know this is why this development shouldn't be so high if they're just going to be ignored, Patricia. Yep. Yeah. I, I really, really feel for the people of Wentworth Point and I, I want to thank you for actually bringing it to the attention of people. I'm really grateful for that on, be, on their behalf. Not a problem. We'll keep following it up uh, on this program and we'll work out exactly what's going on there. I mean, I'm interested as well in, uh, in the planning department's response 
they deemed the height increase to be, quote, consistent with the evolving character of Wentworth Point. So if you look into that quote there, it would appear that it's almost open slather, according to the planning department, for more of these buildings to go up. The sky's the limit. We've got to hope not, because, as you say, there's not enough infrastructure to support such buildings. Well, the, involve, the evolving, uh, you know, uh, whatever they called of Wentworth Point is height. <laughs> What's well, the only way you can if go? You're going to put the height in, mm. then really you need to put the infrastructure in. And it's the people who live there who know the infrastructure that's needed. And they, in this case, they needed to be listened to. And council had, was of the same opinion. Yep. It need, needed the infrastructure. And if you're not going to put it in, then um, all you're doing is adding to the, pro- the existing problem. Well, that's right. It's good to talk to you, Patricia. We'll follow up and, uh, and catch up with you again soon on the program. Thank you. Thanks very much. All right. Uh, Parramatta Councillor Patricia Prosev, if you'd like to have your say on this, give us a call. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Emails MP in the morning at 2SM Supernetwork. Yeah, great Australian talent. Tones and I, that's fly away. Marcus Paul in the morning. 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you'd like to have your say. I see President Joe Biden has addressed the media during his first full day as leader. What about our leader? Prime Minister Scott Morrison. Apparently he was lambasted yesterday for saying January 26 wasn't a particularly flash day for British convicts as they arrived on the first fleets to colonise Australia. Is this bloke tone deaf or what? There he is standing with an artillery shell in another photo opportunity, saying, well, you know, January 26 wasn't a particularly flash day for British convicts either. (laughs) Look, I understand the Prime Minister wants to defend the national holiday. I get that. He advised Cricket Australia to stay out of politics and stick to cricket after a recommendation to dump the words Australia Day from promotions for the Big Bash League fixtures on January 26. Labor and the Greens slammed the comments after Mr Morrison said the first fleet arrivals in 1788 wasn't a particularly flash day for convicts on board and circumstances of settlement had been difficult for both Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians. He actually added an extra ship... When those 12 ships turned up in Sydney all those years ago, it wasn't a particularly flash day. Well, actually, there were 11 ships, but anyway, that's all right. There were 750 convicts and 550 crew, soldiers and family members. They travelled for 252 days over more than 24,000 kilometres without losing a ship. Almost 48 people died during the journey. Look, I understand the point the Prime Minister was trying to make, and I actually agree with him, to be honest, in in relation to Cricket Australia. Just play cricket, okay? Stop trying to politicise the sport. Um, But ScoMo, sometimes, he goes a little too far with his words, and again, that's just my opinion, you might agree with him. By the way, Joel Fitzgibbon will join us on the program just after 7 o'clock in around about 20 minutes' time. That's just after 6 o'clock Queensland time. Damn. All right, here we are. It's eight and a half minutes after 7, after 6 in Queensland. Okay, look, you know, on a Thursday we speak to One Nation's Malcolm Roberts. When we caught up with Malcolm yesterday, he was in Labour Heartland, up there in Singleton, up around the, uh, well, the electorate of Joel Fitzgibbon.
is Joel feeling the pressure. I will ask him in just a moment. Story in the Newcastle Herald. Rivals pounce on Labor polling. Veteran Labor MP Joel Fitzgibbon has told Pauline Hanson's One Nation to bring it on in response to, well, to a visit from Malcolm Roberts. Malcolm, of course, is there supporting the One Nation candidate Stuart Bonds. I'm happy to say that both gentlemen are on the program with us this morning. Good morning to you, Joel, first of all. Uh, g'day, Marcus. G'day, Stuart. And g'day to all of your listeners, listeners, Marcus. Thank you, mate. Stuart, are you there, mate? Yeah, I'm here, Marcus. How oh. are you, Joel? G'day. Oh, wow. Okay. Let's get it on, gentlemen. Now, all right. Well, let's just start with this. Joel. You haven't got a bell, Marcus. No, nah, well, ding, ding. I'll find one. We'll see <laughs> okay. how we go. Uh, look, Joel, you say quite adamantly you want to put the Labor, L-A-B-O-U-R, back into Labor, L-A-B-O-R. Uh, explain to my listeners exactly what you mean by that, because you've stepped aside from the, uh, the front bench, if you like, of federal Labor, the opposition, onto the back bench. Just explain again what your plans are. Well, Labor got to kick up the backside of the last election, Marcus, you know that. And I think that's in part because there was a perception we'd moved away from our traditional base, the people who we were born to represent. And I'm going to ensure that we refocus uh, on those people and go back to our traditional roots. But the next election will be much broader than that, you know, we'll be asking the questions, uh, who is the best person or best place to further build on our local economic diversity, to protect existing jobs, to create new jobs, to back aspiration and incentive, to promote equality of opportunity for our kids, to deliver the additional infrastructure we need, to build a safer and fairer society, while also, Mark, is very importantly, protecting our natural environment. They're the things I've always given priority to, and they're the things I'll always give priority to. All right, Stuart Bonds from One Nation of Labour, forgotten blue-collar workers in the Hunter in particular, in your opinion? Well, I think just what Joel was saying just then, he wants to put the Labour back in the Labour Party. Well, the Labour's obviously missing if he needs to put it back. I mean, I'm an ex-Labour voter, supporter, you know, die-hard you know, uh, coal miner, union worker. And uh, there's a big problem with the Labor Party's platform at the moment. And, and if there's not a problem, then there's a big problem with the messaging mm. because the voters aren't buying it. I mean, you have a look at the polls. Albanese sort of shrugged the, the polls off in, in Shortland and Patterson. But I don't think there's something to shrug off there. I think there's, uh, there's an underlying uh, problem brewing for Labor. And I think Joel knows that it's there and that's where he's, he's fighting with like I try and say to people that Joel's trying to turn an oil tanker with his with his bare hands right and he's got barely any support and that traditional Labor values that Joel is representing I don't think the Labor Party represents anymore All right Joel Well, well Marcus Stewart's problem of course is that he says he's a Labor man but he's running with the extreme right wing group One Nation and the big problem with One Nation, Marcus, is that in the Senate, in the Australian Senate, they vote with Scott Morrison and before him Tony Abbott and Malcolm Turnbull, before him John Howard, on about 98% of occasions. And the, the next big test for One Nation will come soon when, again, uh, the Conservatives will launch a, an attack on our workplace relations laws to undermine workers' rights. But 
politics is one more than one dimensional Marcus it's not just about coal mining obviously I'm a strong supporter of the coal mining industry and the Labor Party supports the coal mining industry but uh, Scott Morrison's got bills in the Senate all the time you know they're cutting aged care they're cutting health funding you know they're doing all things sorts of things that are detrimental to communities like those uh, in the Hunter but one nation votes with them all of the time we want people who can serve in the party of government, who can do the things we did last time we were gov- in government, like in the Hunter building the Hunter Expressway, upgrading our schools, yeah. building trades training centres, new TAFE facilities, increasing hospital funding, a permanent increase to the age pen- pension. All of these things are done by parties of government, not people no, representing good. a right-wing um, we have a policy in there to a minor party in the Australian Senate. Age pension as well. I mean, people are worried about their jobs, Joel. That's the, you know, that elections are won and lost on the on the economy. You know, on the, in the economic output, and the people are concerned about are they going to have jobs going forward? You know, and they're tr- driving around yesterday down there in uh, Rutherford, and those guys are not included in the mining statistics of the jobs that will go if there's no mining, right? And they were saying they're down there because the labour pool they can pull from is, is in Newcastle. So that's how far the money's travelling, right, down there. It's coming from the valley and it's ending up in Newcastle. Now, people are concerned that if Albanese takes the reins, that they're going to lose their job, right? Well, and I think rightfully concerned. People were concerned about Bill Shorten and they're concerned about Anthony Albanese, and unfortunately, I can say this, it's not Joel Fitzgibson's Labor Party, right? It's Anthony Albanese's Labor Party, and I don't think he shares your vision, Joel. Well, Marcus, Stuart and I can uh, agree on, on this point. Uh, the coal mining industry creates many more jobs than those in the industry itself, and go to any of the industrial sites around the Hunter Valley, and you'll see manufacturing plants which are directly tied to the coal mining industry. That's why we have to keep it alive and strong. And the Labor Party has always been supportive of that. We have a close relationship, of course, with the the union, which represents the, the mine workers. But at the same time, we've got to use that wealth to build diversity uh, in our communities. Now, the Hunter Expressway, for example, at $1.7 billion would never have been viable if it hadn't been for the coal mining industry. So we're leveraging the wealth of the coal mining industry to build new infrastructure, which will then give birth to new industries. At, 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 uh, give birth to new industries as a result. So, you know, building that economic diversity and creating new jobs, and while retaining existing jobs, has always been my priority. Stuart, just well, back to a yeah. sorry, mate. Before you go on, just and you can bring uh, what you're going to say up in this response. Back to what Joel said in relation to one nation, seemingly. And I've spoken to Pauline and, and Malcolm about this before, but Joel is right when he says that One Nation quite often will side with the LNP on a number of federal policies and issues. And sometimes I'm, I'm a little confused as to that. Uh, is, that a, is that a concern, uh, do you think, for, for any well, support you might be chasing in the Hunter, for instance? Well, I can't confirm the 98% figure that Joel... Um touted out before that they vote with them 98%. I don't think it's that often, right? And they just put forward better policies. I mean, you either have to vote for something or against it, right? You've got two choices. And if the Liberal National Party are bringing up better policies, right? Joel talks about all this massive amount of spending. Where is the money going to come from? At some point, 
there needs to be some physical, you know, conservative um, thing put on the budget. But I end up in the American situation with a $28 trillion in debt. I mean, we have to, you've got to weigh all things up at all times. I mean, I would love to just be able to go out and just promise things to people and hand out checks, you know, like it had no consequences. But there is, someone's got to pay for all that eventually. All right, so one more point each, gentlemen, if we can. Joel, to you for a, a summation here. Well, Stuart, I'm talking about money already spent. I'm talking about economic investment a former Labor government made in our valley to help build the economy and that economic diversity. Hunter Expressway, again, trades training centres, so we have the skills necessary upgrades to take colleges uh, for the same reason. Uh, These are the things that are are important uh, in building our local economy, creating local jobs and, of course, building financial security for our local people. Not all money spent is badly spent. We want money well spent and we want it targeted at things that do create that economic return, generate that economic return and raise living standards for our local people. Again, that's always been my priority and always will be. All right, Stuart, to you finally. Uh, Malcolm Roberts has been up in the electorate in the last uh, couple of days. We spoke to him yesterday. Um, Do you feel um, perhaps a bit of groundswell of support for One Nation in the Hunter? Uh, Look, I note with interest that Mark Latham, uh, who's in charge of the New South Wales uh, section of One Nation, is also in the Hunter at the moment. Uh, he's relocated there. So, uh, look, the, you've got a lot of support. What do you say to that, Stuart? I, I think the support base is here, and I think that it is growing, and I think in the seats around it, it's also the discontent growing as well, and, and the Labor politicians have got to, you know, it's not so nice when people are coming gunning for your job. Right, and then, and as Mark said, that some of these politicians they only cared about your job when you threatened to take away theirs. Right, and and I think that we're going to do extremely well out of the next election. There will be election promises, uh, money poured into the area like it's never been poured before, and and that can only be a good thing. Well, that's Hunter's true. Hunter's been ignored for a long time. We make more money. We've got the largest coal port export in the world. Right. The largest coal exporting port in the world is in the Hunter, right? And they go, what do they say? They need 16,000 workers at Gunnada, right? And have a look at the, the road they've got to drive on to get up there. All of this stuff needs to be upgraded. All right. All right, All right gentlemen. Look, thank you so much, for b- both of you, for joining uh, the program this morning. I enjoyed this. Uh, I'd love to do it again if you're both up for it, maybe in a couple of weeks' time. No Good on you, Marcus. Bring it on. All right, then. Bring it on. Thanks, Joel. Have a great yeah. weekend, gentlemen. Uh, there he is, Joel Fitzgibbon, the incumbent up there, uh, the Hunter MP, Joel Fitzgibbon. And he's facing a little pressure these days from one nation up there in the coal mining electorates of the Hunter. And I think, uh, look, as Stuart Bond said right at the end, it's a good thing in a way. It is a good thing that there's pressure on Joel and pressure on Labor uh, for the Hunter because it means that more resources, perhaps more money, more infrastructure spending, so long as the promises are kept, it means that the the hunter will benefit in the longer run, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's good for democracy. 21 minutes after 7. Good morning to you, Peter. How are you? Oh, good. 
good, mate. How are you going? Good. Did you enjoy that? Was that was that good to have both gentlemen on to hear both sides of the argument at the same time? Oh, a little, a little bit interesting, mate. I'm probably uh, I've got my opinions. Um, sure. I'm actually I'm actually a tradesman, mate. Yeah. Um, Labor, mate. No way in hell. I would never go near them. They are so out of touch. They got no idea. They're full of lawyers. I don't think any of them ever done an honest day's work in their life. The country dodged a bullet. Um, by not getting Bill Shorten in. Um, they need to... I don't know, years ago, was it Ben Chifley who was a train driver or something? Is that yeah. right, old Prime yeah. Minister? Mate, when's the last time someone who'd actually had a job, I think it's John Howard, had a private um, legal practice? But again, you were here for the lawyers. These people need to come from a work background. And when I say work, I don't mean working for the government. I mean private enterprise, uh, taking the risk, um, carrying the can, employing people, realising the crazy... Uh, Overheads and on costs that the government implements, both parties, I guess. Yeah, of it's course. It's madness now. It's crazy. And these people, you know, we're going to spend this and spend that. Where, like that previous guy said, where's the money coming from? Do you know what I mean? Like, we need to be very careful. It's like, you know, we're just living beyond our means too much and um, all these promises and all that. Yeah, great, but. Uh, I don't know, I find it a little bit uh, disturbing. And, so you know, the you, do you think that Labor, Labor, I mean, if I go back to the days of Paul Keating, I made this analogy and this statement the other day, uh, other day on air, Pete. I said, I can remember a time when it was standing room only at, say, uh, Blacktown Railway Station when then Labor leader Paul Keating made an appearance. You couldn't get near the joint. It was packed. It was packed with Western Sydney tradies and other people, working class people, who were for Labor at the time. It seems almost like they've lost that support, Pete. Oh, absolutely. I think, um, and, and I, my opinion anyway, is that man you just mentioned, Hawking Keating. Yeah. I think they're smoking mirrors, mate. That's my opinion. The world's greatest treasurer, 30% representation of women in um, Parliament, plus also Australia needs to be part of Asia. We're not part of Europe. Like, you know, the, the, the problems we have now haven't started last week. Yeah. But we're still, deal- we're still dealing with Scott Whitlam's problems. His immigration um, policies and all that sort of stuff, Al Grasby. Like, um, yep. I believe Gough Whitlam was the guy that encouraged the new Australians to join their, their own ethnic groups and have their clubs and all this sort of stuff. There goes your integration. And that's 1970 is, you know, what is it, 50 years ago. Yep, well said, mate. You're talking, yeah. you're talking two generations. Very true. Great call. Right, mate, you have a nice day. I you, appreciate mate. it, Pete. Thank you very much for your input. 131269 to have you say. Marcus Paul in the morning. We've got the news coming up at 7.30, 6.30 Queensland time. Not too far away. And we'll take more of your calls as well on 13.12.69. Morning. And Womack and Womack teardrops on the dance floor. Ah, well, they're celebrating in Queensland. Of course, they can dance now, Justin, uh, which is good news out there, Scruff. Um, hopefully they won't dance like you. Or me, for that matter. We're both as bad as each other, mate. You know that. Alrighty, the Western Harbour Tunnel and Warringah Freeway upgrade has received planning approval from the New South Wales government in a major step toward delivering the third road crossing of Sydney Harbour. I'm going to give you more detail on that right after our 7.30 news, New South Wales time. Mark Latham on the way in your calls. 
Okay, 22 minutes away from eight from seven in Queensland, a Spanish tennis player who was already in hard lockdown in Melbourne after potentially being exposed to COVID-19 on an Australian Open charter flight says she has tested positive. Paula Bedoza, the 23-year-old world number 67, who reached the fourth round at last year's French Open, wrote on Twitter earlier today that she received the result on the seventh day of her quarantine. So there we go. She's the first player confirmed to have the virus that is not a possible case of viral shedding. Boy, oh boy. Why are we running a Grand Slam in the middle of a pandemic? Meanwhile, the Therapeutic Goods Administration says some of the masks distributed to hospitals and care homes at the height of the pandemic as part of the federal government's medical stockpile were quote-unquote defective. Lab testing identified a range of issues with some disposable surgical masks, including quality control, lack of proper labelling and inconsistent fluid resistance. Now, despite concerns in Europe and North America over delays and shortages of vaccines, our Federal Health Minister, Greg Hunt, has moved to reassure us that the local rollout is still scheduled to begin next month. As planned, Pfizer is expected to deliver around 80,000 doses of its vaccine every week from the second half of February. More than 50 million doses of the AstraZeneca vaccine will be manufactured in Melbourne and will also be used to immunise the majority of our population. Both vaccines are subject, of course, to approval by the TGA. But New South Wales Health says it's ready to begin as soon as doses are received, which could be as early as Feb 15. And now on Marcus Call in the Morning, Mark Latham. Okay, 17 minutes away from eight. From seven in Queensland, one nation's leader in New South Wales is Mark Latham. G'day, Mark. How are you, mate? Good, thanks, Mark. It's good to be talking to you. We finally got past 2020. Oh, absolutely. Did we what? I don't know whether you heard anything on the show already this morning, but we had uh, Stuart Bond going Uh head-to-head with uh, Joel Fitzgibbon on the program uh, around about half an hour ago. Both men putting their case forward. Uh, Joel, as we know, trying to put the Labor back into Labor. And Stuart, along with uh, your uh, colleagues at One Nation, uh, putting a bit of pressure on uh, the incumbent MP up there in the Hunter, I think, at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. The coal mining jobs are critical to the economic and social future of the Hunter Valley. And to take them away, uh, which the Labor Party and the Greens want to do, um, would lead to economic carnage. So yeah. uh, we welcome Joel Fitzgibbon's recent conversion to looking after coal jobs, but also recognise um, Joel only started to worry about those jobs when his own job was in jeopardy as a result of the last federal election, uh, where uh, Stuart Bonds ran him very close with an outstanding One Nation primary vote. So that lit a fire under Joel Fitzgibbon and in some respects has changed the debate in federal politics. So uh, oh, we I can think so. Make, a, make a real difference in that regard. Yeah, that's why I wanted both gentlemen to go head-to-head this morning. And, look, we'll do it again and again and again as much as we need to because I, uh, I tend to agree uh, that Labor in some instances has lost its grassroots appeal to blue-collar workers. Yeah, well, Joel Fitzgibbon um, appears to be just one vote now in a Labor caucus of uh, 70 or 80. So he's a very, very small minority, and I I suppose he can huff and puff, but he hasn't changed Labor policy. They're still going down the path of net zero emissions by 2050. That would wipe out 
many tens of thousands of jobs in the Hunter Valley, other areas. In New South Wales, Labor's gone 100% renewables, which is a threat to energy security and manufacturing investment. So, you know, the Labor Party um, needs to get back to looking after jobs. Jobs matter more than anything else. And if we haven't got jobs as a society, then it's the vulnerable who suffer. Yeah, I made the point again this morning, and I can recall uh, when I was uh, just really starting to get interested in politics, Mark, and I headed out with a couple of mates, and we went to Blacktown Railway Station. It was standing room only for one PJ Key, Paul Keating, uh, when he was making his speech just prior to an election out of Blacktown. And there was overwhelmingly, uh, you know, some strong grassroots support for Labor back then. They seem to have lost, you know, that common touch in Sydney's West in particular and up in the Hunter with the working class people of New South Wales. Well, working families look at the Labor Party and think, well, if they don't stand for jobs, uh, how can they help me? If they're all in favour of political correctness and crazy concepts like uh, gender fluidity... Well, they're way out of touch with the values of my family. If they want to teach rubbish in the schools, they're going to hurt my children. So working families look at this and think, well, if they've got off that page and they're off on some other tangent, then why should we be supporting them? It's not just on the economic front. It's, it's, it's values and, 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 and cultural norms that the Labor Party has deserted in the eyes of, of, of working people. And uh, this took a while for the penny to drop. You know, It, it was a long time coming, but I think... Uh, there's an understanding now that the, the Labor Party is not the working class party of Curtin and Chifley. It's not the party of suburban programs like Whitlam and, and, and not the party of economic growth like Paul Keating. All right. You had a piece in the paper yesterday talking about the criminalisation of parenting. Um, tell me about this. I mean, am I reading correctly there is a push to uh, basically make parents feel like criminals if they pull their kids into line? Well, it's more than a push. The New South Wales Labor Party and the Greens have introduced legislation into the state parliament under this concept of coercive control, which is normally applied to the domestic violence area, to say that parents displaying controlling behaviours over a period of time towards their children are guilty of a criminal offence and could face jail penalties of up to 10 years. And what's a controlling behaviour? Well, clearly under the Labor legislation, there's no dispute about this. If a parent was to say to a child, well, you've done the wrong thing here, you're grounded or I'm cutting your pocket money, uh, that under the Labor legislation would be a criminal offence. Now, when I say they've lost touch with values, they've lost touch with an understanding of how families discipline children. You need some boundaries, uh, you need some rules, you've got to teach kids the difference between right and wrong, and responsible parenting goes down that pathway. Now, to ex extend coercive control laws in domestic violence into all domestic relationships, we're talking parent to child, grandparent to grandchildren, uncle to niece and nephew, the whole uh, box and dice here, it's just simply atrocious. You know? And Jodie McKay, the Labor leader, tweeted out when they announced this bill last year, she said how proud she was of the bill and how proud she was of Paul Lynch, Anna Watson and Trish Doyle who worked on the bill inside the Labor Party. Now, these people have just lost all common sense and for Jodie McKay, she's proud of the criminalisation of parenting is a low point in the Labor Party's uh, outlook on society. 
All right, uh, let's have a look at another story here. Um, Cricket Australia uh, don't want to call uh, the, the games being played across Australia Day next Tuesday. Australia Day games, when they bloody well are, what do they want to call them? The January 26th round or games or something as equally woke as that. Uh, I, I really wish... They would just leave politics out of cricket. Cricket's in a lot of trouble in this country. Whether Cricket Australia want to uh, believe it or not, I have no idea, Mark, really, who won the one-day series. First and foremost, because it's not on free-to-air. Cricket's supposed to be Australia's premier sport. It's our major international sport. But unless you put your hand in your pocket and pay Murdoch, you can't watch the one-day games. That's one thing aside. And then, of course, we had a brilliant test series broadcast on free-to-air television, which was wonderful. But then they go and spoil it all by this rubbish. Well, uh, a lot of the play in the test series was very good, but the over-rates are very, very slow. A lot of people say cricket's just become too boring. And even those crowd restrictions at the SCG, for example, Marcus, uh, they couldn't get the 10,000 limit. Mm. They couldn't get 10,000 people to come on any of the days. I went with my daughter on the fifth day, and there must have been about 1,500 there. Yeah. And that, and that was shaping as an incredibly exciting day of cricket, and it was, and it was certainly absorbing. So, you know, cricket uh, has got some, some issues, but, you know, this is all welly and delusion, isn't it? <laughs> to, to say it's not really Australia Day. When everyone who goes to the ground, everyone who watches on TV, of course they know it's Australia Day. It's a statement of the obvious. And mm. there'd be no cricket in Australia, none at all. And, and none of these people would have their wages paid if the First Fleet hadn't have come here on the 26th of January 1788 and introduced the English culture that played cricket. So, you know, these people are just um, fools. You'd have to say this is one of the dumbest things you've ever heard to try and tell cricket fans it's not really Australia Day, supposedly in the name of Indigenous safety. Have you ever heard of any Indigenous who feel unsafe going to the cricket on Australia Day? There's no nope. evidence of that whatsoever. No, nope, not now, at all. Not at now, all. what the federal government and the state government should be saying is, look, Cricket Australia, we give you millions of dollars in the upgrade of your, and maintenance of your, of your playing fields, your academies, your player development programs. A lot of money's going into women's cricket. That's fantastic. Yeah. But if you don't... Um, display pride in Australia Day. You can't expect to receive Australian taxpayer dollars. Yeah, the Prime Minister, though, yesterday did arc up about it to some extent. So, I mean, that's a good step forward. I don't know. Again, I just wish that sport, whether it's rugby league, whether it's cricket, rugby union, whoever, I, I just leave the politics out of it. I mean, for God's sake, don't we go to sport to get away yeah, from we do. politics? Yeah, we do. I, I know that. Thought. I work in politics. The last thing I want to hear at the cricket <laughs> or the footy is politics. And, and other people work hard yeah. at their jobs. Um, uh, sport is a relaxing relief from your, your, your day work. And uh, to bring in politics, whether it's Indigenous politics, sexuality, gender politics, boy, uh, if people want that, they can run for Parliament or follow the news feed. Yep. Uh, nobody goes to the cricket to get a tutorial in politics. Nah, very true, very true. There's plenty of other information and ways out there. You can, you know, you can follow the issues that concern you, and I don't think it has any place in professional sport. Mark, it's always good to catch up, mate. Have a great weekend. We'll talk next week. Okay, look forward to it. Thanks, Marcus. All the best. Bye-bye. There he is, One Nation's leader in New South Wales, Mark Latham. It's Marcus Paul in the morning. It's now eight minutes away from eight. Eight from seven in Queensland. Seven o'clock Queensland time, of course. 13, 12, 69. MP in the morning at 2SM, supernetwork.com for your emails. Here's one from Dennis. 
Marcus, I totally disagree with that bloke bagging Labor and Whitlam. How many years now have Liberals been in power? And look at the mess we're in. Look at the mess Howard, Abbott and Turnbull created. So much for businessmen running countries. Turnbull and Trump were useless. (laughs) I would not have enough paper if I had to write all the good things Labor have done, says Dennis. I only need a cigarette paper to write the good things the Liberals have done. It's a part of the program to create discussions like this. Genuine talk on the radio. This is Marcus Paul in the No morning. jab, no way. Exclusive pub band plan for anti-vaxxers. Tell you something, mate. This COVID is a thing that keeps together. And I think they're just pumping it for as much as they can because while that's happening... They're just doing what they want to do. It's a distraction, Jeff. You're absolutely right. We're bringing you all the news and the views. Marcus Paul in the morning. On this Friday morning, it's January 22. By the way, the podcast is up if you want to have a look. MP in the morning. Sorry, um, 2SMSuperNetwork.com. Just click on the Marcus Paul in the morning page. My chat this morning uh, where we had Stuart Bonds, an up-and-comer from One Nation, Uh, going head-to-head with Labor's Joel Fitzgibbon. Interesting, it was. It was really good. I I love the way uh, both men put their point of views across at the same time, and it was pretty civil. Absolutely it was, and we'll try and do that a little more often on the program. Uh, Now, police have resumed a search for a man believed swept into seas off Coffs Harbour yesterday for my 2HC listeners. There is a bit of uh, action happening and commotion Unfortunately, emergency services were called to the Coffs Harbour Southern Breakwall at around six last night. Look, a woman who was walking in front of the missing man says a large wave struck the wall behind her. She turned around and this uh, bloke had disappeared. Now, the woman, who's 24, said the bloke had just vanished. Now, obviously, uh, she's concerned that he's gone into the ocean and not pop, uh, you know, not popped up. So uh, last night, the Westpac Lifesaver Rescue Helicopter, Marine Rescue, Marine Area Command, along with officers from Coffs and Clarence Police District, started searching for this bloke. It was suspended last night at 10 o'clock. Anyway, uh, look, I've got some more information. A short time after this 24-year-old woman told police the man had disappeared... Police were approached by a local family concerned that their 20-year-old son had not returned home from a walk along the beach. And this 20-year-old's car was found in Gallows Beach Car Park. Boy, oh boy. So, the missing man is described as being of age in his 20s of Mediterranean Middle Eastern appearance with a muscular build and with dark hair. He may have been wearing a red shirt with grey or beige shorts and red shoes. So the search is resuming now, just after 8 o'clock. It will involve local police, assisted by Marine Area Command, Coffs Harbour, Water Police, Marine Rescue, Surf Life Saving New South Wales and local lifeguards. It'll be a tough job. I wish them all the very best. Let's hope we have a positive outcome. Anyone, though, with information about this incident, if you're up there in Coffs, you can call Coffs Harbour Police Station or Crime Stoppers, that number, one 800 Very soon, we'll go to the roads with our motoring expert for the first time in 2021, Chris Bowen from bowensgarage.com.au. In the meantime, Ian is there. Hello, Ian. Hi, how are you? Well, thank you, mate. 
I'm just starring up to, I'm a, an Aboriginal elder, and I'm just advising you why the Indigenous people don't like we are young because we are old. We are 60,000 years old, and that's why we don't feel included in the anthem. Now, now being we are one, we go, yes, we can look at each other, shake hands and say, yes, we are one. That breaks the ice, mate. Well, I agree. Uh, I, I applauded the change that was made by the Prime Minister. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. Um, look, yes, Australian settlement uh, post-1788 is still fairly young in modern history terms, but from, uh, from the perspective of Indigenous people, you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't know the exact figure. It's always contentious, but, I mean, Indigenous people, Aboriginals or otherwise, were on this, uh, this continent far far longer than were uh, the British and other settlers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, that'll break the ice, mate, if people start shaking hands. Well, I hope so, mate. I really hope so, because I'm a, a little sick of this debate each and every Australian day, for God's sake. <laughs> The Western Harbour Tunnel and Warringah Freeway upgrade has received planning approval from the New South Wales Government in a major step toward delivering the third road crossing the Sydney Harbour. How much is it going to cost, Andrew? Minister for Transport and Roads, Andrew Constance, said the mega project will include a six and a half kilometre tunnel with three lanes in each direction, which will help slash travel times from North Sydney to Sydney Olympic Park by up to 20 minutes. Mr Constant said yesterday the Western Harbour Tunnel will take pressure off the Sydney Harbour Bridge, the Sydney Harbour Tunnel, the Anzac Bridge and the Western Distributor. Well, of course it will. Absolutely. And it's long, long overdue. In a city of five and a half plus million people, why we've only got two crossings around the harbour is, well, it just shows a lack of planning. It really does. Anyway... The new tunnel will start at the new Roselle interchange and head under the harbour to the Warringah Freeway and will integrate new and existing public transport connections. It'll be a city-shaping piece of infrastructure that will deliver a vital boost to the New South Wales economy with the tunnel and freeway upgrade along with the Beaches Link expected to support around 15,000 full-time equivalent jobs. Well, yes, that's what infrastructure does, which is great. Minister for Planning and Public Spaces Rob Stokes said the project will transform the way people move across our harbour with traffic volumes to be reduced on some of Sydney's busiest roads. Planning approval means the New South Wales Government can get on with delivering the first stage, which is an upgrade to one of Sydney's busiest and most complex road corridors, four kilometres of the Warringah Freeway. So they say that community feedback on the project has been valuable in helping understand and deliver positive changes to the design and plan. Anyway, we'll see what happens. We will see. Following the procurement process and contract awards, construction is expected to start in the first quarter of this year. But I, again, and look, I know I sound like a cynic every time I do this. I know I do. But at what cost, eventually... Uh, what sort of toll will we, we be paying for this new harbour crossing? And will average punters, that is those on average incomes in New South Wales uh, and Sydney in particular, be able to afford to use the thing each and every day? My answer is probably no. 
And besides, the thing should have been built decades ago. We're always reactive here in New South Wales. Never proactive. Mark, good morning. How are you? <laughs> hey, that's what I was going to say. I bet it's a tollway. Well, I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it will be. And anyway, let's move on. We've got a good update. You know that Steve Winwood song you played before? Yeah, Valerie. Have you ever seen the film clip for that? I have. He haven't. plays most of the music of that on an organ. Did you know that? Uh, well, I know he was. A, he's pretty good on the, uh, you know, those you instruments. You watch the film clip. You Right. Put it on YouTube Music when you finish. Yeah, he plays most of that on, on a YouTube on a, on a YouTube on a, on an organ. Well, I do most like the, the sound. Yeah, I do like the sound of uh, of the eighties uh, synthesizer. Yeah, I always thought it was a guitar, but that surprised me when I saw that film clip. There we go. All right. I, um, did you see we just um, lost three hundred thirty million bucks on a submarine contract with the US that we pulled out of? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. We've got a tree out more the back. Borrow, borrow more. We've got a tree out the back. We can just keep picking off. I don't know million dollar notes from Mark. It's plenty of. That's, yeah, yeah. Terrible, isn't it? Anyway. All right. And mate. what about? I still. I should talk to you this morning about that fifteen story home development they're doing near that. What's the suburb? You were talking about yeah, this, morning. this is out uh, in Sydney's west at Benelong Parkway, and yeah, residents are upset. How crooks that? Well, let me just so explain, you... just to the listeners that might have missed my chat earlier on. West, uh, residents of Western Sydney are fuming after it was revealed a major residential development was granted approval to significantly increase its height. The Benelong Parkway sites will be 15 storeys tall instead of the original nine. Originally, they wanted 25, but there were some 1,500 people that went to all the trouble, locals saying, look, there's not enough infrastructure, there's no parking, there's no roads, there's no schools. That's why this thing needs to be, you know, kept in check. They're all ignored. Off you yeah. go, build it. Yeah. See, that's the trouble. You've got developers donating to the state government and mining companies donating to the federal, and that's where, <laughs> where they go. It's, that's disgusting. Oh, but at least they get to wear a nice little hard hat and oh, yeah. gear when they open oh, the I thing. I like what Albanese called Morrison, not ScoMo, Promo. And he did that officially first on this program. Thank you, Mark. Uh, all right, Marie. How are you, Marie? Good morning, Marcus. Morning. Best call you've had in a long time, listening to Mark, uh, Mark Latham this morning and the young Aboriginal gentleman that was on. Yes. We hear people putting us oldies down because we're not computer literate. This country wasn't built on computers. The little thing at the back of the skull called the brain, you activate that like you and Justin do in the morning and bring everybody on and let them have a, a, a thing and they're not pressing computers. Uh, if I had to rely on a computer... I wouldn't be able to do what I do. I have a full-time job looking after a very sick husband, as a lot of people do that are out there. And I think we've got to stop putting old people down and think of the people who took authority from the parents, the teachers and the schools and the, and the, um, the police. Yeah. Our police now, if they're attacked, they've got to go and account for themselves. We want law and order back. That's what this country needs. And there's not a thing this country can't do. We've given a bit of a go. And thank you for your show this morning. It was fantastic. A pleasure, Marie, and thank you so much for your call. I always appreciate it. And now on Marcus Paul in the Morning, everything on the road with Bowen's Garage. All right, at 16 after 8, for the first time in 2021, let's go to my mate. Uh, he knows everything automotive. In fact, uh, his reviews are outstanding. He does car reviews without all that jargon you can't understand. And, uh, and even better, his videos... 
feature is Noggin, and he, he speaks, well, he speaks like an average Aussie. Hello, mate. How are you? Mate, where have you been? Where have I been? I've been I've working. I've been I've been pulling my weight. I've been doing double shifts. Oh. Uh, I've been, you know, I've been here. I, I got a couple of weeks off over Christmas, which was great. First couple of weeks off for two years. Uh, but you've been busy as well. But I do have a bone to pick with you. Yeah, what's that? Well, did I not see on bowensgarage.com.au a brand new BMW in that driveway? Look, yes, I had the BMW 430i Coupe uh, for a week last weekend. Look, I must admit, it yep. did cross my mind. You lost uh, my number. Is that is that it? You lost my number? No. Uh, look, didn't it lose your number? But, look, it was a cavalcade of people lining up to oh. get in it. And, uh, you know, I had to do numerous blockies. And at the end of the day, in terms of priorities, mm. you were towards the back end of that list. All right, well, that was, that, that was Chris Bowen. Uh, he was our regular. <laughs> How did it go, mate? Tell me about it. So this new Beamer. Two-door coupe, four seats. But the major talking point about this particular vehicle is the famous BMW kidney grill at the yes. front. It, it's been stretched. It's been widened. I don't it's like been it. manipulated into all sorts of different uh, sizes. Yeah, look, it, it, it tends to grow on you, I found, over the week. Every time I walked out the front, I appreciated it a little bit more. Mm. But one thing about BMW, I mean, really, when you think about it, they're one of the few companies that have maintained a sort of corporate identity at the front of the vehicle. Yeah. You get any, yeah, any BMW you look at over uh, all these years, you'll know it's a Beamer just by looking at the grill. But, yeah, it's a bit like a, a whale as it opens its mouth to a krill. Yeah, uh, I don't like the new grill. I think it's too. Uh, I, I know mm. they've tried to modernise it, etc., to keep up with the Joneses. But I, I don't know. The one that I've got is a traditional grill. Uh, my car's mm. about you know ten years old, but mm. I like the look of my car rather than the, the new grill. But then again, um, I am a little bit of a traditionalist. But how does it go? More importantly, well, it's. You know, uh, it's a great car, inherently well set up. It drives like a BMW. They're beautiful cars. Turbo, two litre front, up the front, uh, four cylinder engine. That's petrol, 190 kilowatts, 400 newton metres of torque. Not overly quick, 5.8 seconds to get to 100, but it's just about the road presence, Mm. the technology on board. And as they used to say in their advertising campaigns, uh, sheer driving pleasure. Not cheap. How much? How much? Not for the everyday man or woman. Well, a list price of eighty eight thousand nine hundred, and one I had was ninety eight thousand eight hundred and eighty before on roads. Yeah. But it's got lots of options. I mean, you can really start adding uh, a lot of money to your car, particularly European cars, yes. when you tick the options. And that was the case of this car in particular. All right. Um, next time one's in your driveway, I want to be up the top of the list, Chris. Well, mate, I had a small Picanto GT this week. That's a $19,000 car. Would you be happy to go in that one? Uh, well, of course I'd be happy to go in it. <laughs> Tell me about this. I mean, they're, they're, I've seen these on the road. They're quite smart looking, these new Kia Picantos. But I mean, really, considering it, it's 19490 driveway, the GT line is the top of the range. You can get a cheaper one for about eighteen, seventeen. It's called the S. It's a great, fun little drive. The GT line has magnificent looks it looks like a toy you know the sort of car you'd give a name to like you know mariel lola it's a a novelty (laughs) car 
it's a novelty car that drives yeah. pretty well, good dynamics, um, uh, not much power, 62 kilowatts of power and only four gears when it comes to the automatic, so it's not a, a, a bolter. But uh, I, I enjoy the Picano. It's, it's a great little car, lots of tech on board. It could do with a few more safety systems, and it's still got only a four-star ANCAP crash rating mm. based on uh, the model that came out in 2017. But so at that price, at that price, it looks pretty smart. I, I would imagine there'd be a lot of young people, young women in particular, lining up to mm. buy the thing. No, I agree. Yeah, yeah. and you know, a seven-year unlimited K warranty. Kia and Hyundai are doing very good things with every vehicle they release at the moment. So yeah. uh, I'm sure that you'll be happy with your purchase if that's what you go with. And you can name it. Um, as you say, it's the kind of vehicle that people will name. A lot of young women name their cars. Maybe yeah. Penny Pier, uh, Picanto, Penny Pick. So give us a call. <laughs> I'd be interested. Have you ever named one of your cars ever? <laughs> no, I haven't actually. My best man, Mitchell... He was notorious. He he had a Honda a Prelude. He called it Vivian. I mean, <laughs> Vivian. Vivian. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, no. uh, yeah, my man, girl, my girl Ash. Uh, she had a uh, used to have a V Dub. She called it Squeaky, Squeaky, <laughs> because it made a little bit of a squeaking noise. And she now owns a Beamer. And it's a black Beamer. It's a three uh, a three series three two zero. Yeah. And uh, it's called an aptly so Voldemort. <laughs> it's a good little topic, isn't it? Thirteen, twelve, sixty-nine. Jump on. Let us know your car names. Absolutely. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm going to go home now. You want to do the law show as well? You did that so well. Hello, world. <laughs> no. <laughs> Where do we I'm go off. for all of your reviews and your videos, etc., on the new Beamer and this Kia Picanto, my friend? Uh, is the website. Uh, find me on YouTube, Barnes Garage, Twitter, and most importantly, there's also now a podcast. Wherever Ooh. you get your podcasts, just search for bowensgarage.com, uh, uh Garage podcast and hit the subscribe button. But in the meantime, Marcus, yeah. you be kind to each other. <laughs> See you, Lawsy. Bye, mate. Bye bye. There he is, Chris Bowen from Bowen's Garage. Our motoring expert on the expert on the program. It's 23 after eight. Good morning, Nora Jones. 26 after eight. We're off to the newsroom in just a moment. Uh, Dustin, are you there, mate? Dustin, I'll press the button. Hello, mate. How are you? Good, Marcus. Thank you very much. Nice to hear you in the morning. I love your program. Thank you. Car names. Did you name a car? Yeah. So we got a Toyota Rav Four. Rav Four, and we named it. Ravi Shankar, and not, <laughs> not many people know that name. Ravi Shankar, the famous Indian sitar player, that was you know big big time in the seventies and eighties. So I love it. Ravi Ravi Shankar, it's a great car. We love it. Good on you, mate. Thank you so much. Now, Justin, yes, um, you pranged your other car. Yes, I completely car, wrote it off. The new car you have, uh, it's a very nice car. Yes, a Kia. It's... I'm surprised the uh, leader of the opposition allows you to drive it. But what's it now called? Divorce. Because <laughs> if, if I crash it, there will be a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> but who gets the wreck? That's the question. <laughs> 
All right, we're off to Canberra very soon. Christina in the capital, not too far away, 13 12 69. The telephone number, though, in the meantime. Uh, we spoke to Bowen from bowensgarage.com.au. Uh, he talked about a new <laughs> car this morning, the Picanto, the kind of car that Bowie reckons young women buy in bulk and give it a name. I mentioned that my partner, Ash, <laughs> she's pretty good at naming cars. She had an old V-dub she called Squeaky for obvious reasons. And uh, the new car, a black one, called Voldemort. Uh, we've had a, a number of people ring through already letting us know about their car names. Cole, have you got one for me? Yeah, g'day, Mark. Before I go, mate, I just wanted to say, loving the program, mate, we've got to get rid of the, uh, the political donations. Those nine stories to 15, you're kidding me. Yeah, I'll ring you about that later on. And uh, if had someone called me Two Bob Each Way, I'd be stoked to, mate. You're Mr. Two Bob Each Way. I like the way you don't back one, buddy, my friend. Thank you. May I, may I say now, I'll give you my car name. So we had this old bucket of bones, old rusty old thing, and, and uh, I used to call it Matthew Shervington. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because every time it got a bit of speed up, it's nuts, sugar. <laughs> Talk to you later, Marcus. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know where to go after that. What do I do, Justin? What do I do? You know, Justin, uh, his, he pranged a car. Look, we've all been there, I guess, but he pranked one so badly. When they bought a a new car, his wife, the leader of the opposition, good morning, Belinda, she thought she would name it Divorce, because if he pranks this one, that's exactly what he's got coming. Now on Marcus Paul in the Morning. The Queen Bee of the Newsroom, Diane Coveney-Garland. Good morning, Daisy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm glad it's Friday. Oh, thank God it's Friday. It is the 22nd of January. It's now 23 minutes away from nine. Have you ever named a car, Diane? No, I'm a bit boring like that. No. No? No. Has Hubby ever named a car? No. You've got a work car, which I is do. plastered with 207. So, you know, yep, you new. can see me coming. It's nice. It is. What sort again is it? It's a Kia Sportage. All right. Well, why don't we name it? Mm, good uh, idea. What uh, should we name it, though? I don't know. It has to start with K because it's a Kia. Mm. There's not many good na- Well, sorry. <laughs> oh, I better be careful. <laughs> when I say there's not many good names, can we... Christina. Ah. I, wait, I got, Well, no, Ooh. that would be weird. I could call it Christina, you but could. no. You could. Christina the mm. Kia. All right, I'll have to ask uh, Christina when she calls through from Canberra soon whether she's named her car. Hmm. Justin says we should name it Bill. He's the one who's paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'll think of a name starting All right, with sounds K. Good. Maybe somebody's got an idea out there. If you've seen Di cruising out in Sydney's West in the 2SM news car, a beautiful-looking car it is as well. Uh, oh, it nice goes so well. Gray. Very nice. You like it? I do. Um, hasn't Gilbert got a company car? Yes. Um, it's an old. Uh, it's it's an old Merc. I'm going to call it murdered. He's had that many scrapes and bingles with the thing. Yeah, I think there's bits of sticky tape on it holding yeah. it together. All right. So, Di, uh, Port Macquarie this morning. Uh, I beg your pardon. Coffs Harbour this mm. morning. Um, uh, search has resumed for this. Tw- we've got details now on this bloke. He's 20. I was a bit. At first, I was thinking <clears throat> maybe uh, this young woman that saw this bloke walking along the break wall up there at, mm. at Coffs, 
uh, perhaps might have got it wrong. And uh, look, we do have stories like that where people are like, well, I saw somebody on the beach and then they weren't there. And as is often the case, yeah. fortunately that person had just packed up and gone home or maybe left something on the beach. That's but what you'd want. That's what you would like to think has mm-hmm. happened. But unfortunately, the 20-year-old man's family contacted police and said, look, he was going for a walk on the beach, haven't <sighs> seen him, and then they found his car in the car park. Oh, and, boy. you know, with the surf the way it's been in the last... Mm-hmm couple of days. Um, it's terrible. Mm. We got uh, very hot condition. That search is underway again yes. for that young man, by the way, and we, we really hope there's a positive outcome for our listeners in Coffs Harbour this morning. Uh, good morning to you on 2HC. Uh, look, I um, <laughs> uh, I want to again put out a, a very serious warning. Double demerit points are in, uh, in mm-hmm. play today, yes. of course, ahead of the Australia Day break. But please, it's going to be very warm in a number of areas, uh, particularly Sydney's west today. 31 on the coast, 35, 36 out west, and it's only going to get hotter over the next couple of days. Please, just be very, very careful around the water. Look, they've already had 13 people die in waterways in New South Wales this year. This year? 22nd of January, 13 13 deaths. deaths. That's shocking. Oh, for goodness sake. Okay. Mm. All right, Daisy, thank you. You have a great weekend. Thank you, you too. Uh, I'll be thinking of a car name uh, for the Kia, okay? Thank you. Sounds good. 2SM News Kia. Killer Kia? Well, no. that could be. <laughs> no, no. No, no, not, not for a car that I'm driving. No, we don't want to no. go there. Get in contact no. with Marcus anytime. Email us, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. All right, a couple of emails to get to before we go to a break, and then Christina in the capital. Marcus, this is Dennis, by the way. I totally disagree with the bloke bagging Labor. Oh, I've done that one, haven't I? Have I done that one or not? Oh, maybe not. Anyway, I'll do it again. Marcus, I totally disagree with that bloke bagging Labor and Whitlam. How many years have Liberals been in power? And look at the mess we're in. Look at the mess Howard, Abbott and Turnbull created. So much for businessmen running countries. Yeah, I've done that one. But thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, Mark is from Maclay Island. He's got a couple of jokes. I'll get to those. Um, but if you want to send a note through to the program... We'd love to hear from you, 13-12-69, and, of course, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Here we go. I've got this one I was looking for from Mick regarding Labor. Marcus, in my opinion, if Labor cared about workers, they would be front and centre in condemning Qantas, who have received a billion dollars in government support through COVID, as they make redundant their baggage handlers, cabin cleaners and pushback drivers, so Qantas can employ cheaper outsourced workers, thus saving $108 million a year. A certain CEO earns about a quarter of that amount every year. Just one man. It's frightening that employers are now able to move current staff on to employ cheaper workers using COVID as an excuse. I always believed the position had to be redundant, not the person. I worry for my kids because the silence by the media and the opposition on this, on Qantas, is deafening. All right, Mark. Mark from Maclay Island. I'll do an early joke. We'll probably have David on at some point on the program, if not uh, before nine after nine when we fill in for Lawsy. Don't forget John Laws, King of Talkback, is back uh, Monday week, February 1. Mark says, it's Friday, let's have a little fun. I'm looking for a woman who's been cheated on and is mad and scorned. Why? Well, I need some cheap tools, ASAP. 
And this one. A man has been injured in a bizarre peekaboo accident. Where is he? He's in the ICU. Uh, all right, Alan, good morning. It's 17 to 9. Morning, Alan. How are you, mate? I'm Enjoy okay. Thank you. I've got, I've got a name suggestion for the Kia. Ah, uh, yes, for the news Kia, yes. Yes. Uh, in New Zealand and in Maori, there's a word, kāpai. Right. And it starts with a K. Yep. And the word means very good. Ah, kāpai. And it kind of plays with the car and the pie, kāpai. <laughs> so kāpai. Is it pay or play? Pie. Okay. Like car pie. Okay, car pie. <laughs> Very good. But do you know who's driving? No, I shouldn't say. That. <laughs> no, Di's a wonderful driver, and she's look for a driver. She makes a bloody good newsreader. I'll tell you that. Sam. All right, here we are. We're back. Um, thank you. On the email, uh, Dell regarding harbour crossings. MPs Stokes and Constance are ministers for building and selling. While we slept in during holidays, they sold off fleets of buses on the northern beaches. They are heartless MPs and will never use buses like our soldiers. They will get to keep travel perks into old age. All services from Manly Wharf are routed away from Warringah Mall. Lots of us with walking aids can't do the extra miles. Shops are putting up Clothes signs, fabulous. Uh, the fabulous mall is becoming a ghost town of sad emptiness. I am disabled and, like many, have to shop on my computer. And I ought to take away pox on the libs in New South Wales from Dell. All right, Dell, thank you. Uh, and this one from Peter regarding uh, you know the possibility of a new toll. Well, I think it's a certainty on this extra harbour crossing on the way eventually. Marcus, as a courier, tolls add to my costs, but they cut my time. We can always look back to the great transport builders, Carr, Yammer, Reese, Keneally, enough said. All right, Graham, are you there, mate? Yes, uh, good morning, Paul. How's it going? Good, thanks. Uh, Marcus will do, uh, but yes. Okay. Yeah, look, just that young lady with the Kia car. Yes. The name has got to be. It's got to be a Karen, isn't it? Ah, perfect. There you go. We're done. It is Karen <laughs> okay. the Kia. Yeah. Okay. Can I just make another comment? Of course you can. Okay. Look, uh, I listen to a lot of this talk and metric going on about uh, getting this country started. There's no way in the world this country is going to get started again. You know, production production wise, without cheap electricity. No matter what else they might talk about, no matter what other... Unless they're going to just keep borrowing money until yep. there's nothing left to borrow on. So <laughs> if you don't have cheap electricity, you're not going to get production. No, a lot of people no say that. No, very true. Thank you, Graham. Appreciate the call and appreciate the... So that's it. We've named the Kia, the news car, uh, the die runs around in. It's Karen the Kia. Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. I have always believed in miracles. The latest from the capital. With Christina Rosengrand. Morning, Rosie Cheeks. Good morning, Marcus. Have you uh, ever named a car? Uh, no, I've never owned a car. Well, okay, well, it makes it a bit hard, doesn't it? You've <laughs> yeah. never owned a car, Christina. Never. I've never needed to. Okay, all right, yeah. fair enough. No. <laughs> all right, well, look what what you lack in car, you more than make up in political reporting experience. 
So let's <laughs> <Thank> go. <you. laughs> National Cabinet is due to meet to discuss... How old are you? No, I won't go there. National Cabinet is due to meet to discuss new travel protocols, the national vaccine rollout and the seasonal worker shortage. It's a full agenda today, Christina. Yes, like uh, almost every other National Cabinet meeting, there's a lot to talk about. And uh, it also comes on the same day that these new travel protocols are going to be enforced on international flights. So that means that people flying into Australia will have to have a COVID test within uh, 72 hours of their scheduled departure and then test negative. They'll also have to wear a mask on the flight. And so uh, government leaders will be briefed on these new rules today. They'll also be updated on the plans for the national vaccine rollout and then on how the new variants of COVID-19 are being managed. And there'll be a bit of talk as well about international arrivals caps. Uh, As we know, National Cabinet decided a couple of weeks ago to halve the number of international passengers allowed into three states, and that was, of course, in response to the UK strain of COVID, which is highly infectious, and that rule is currently in place until February 15th, so they'll speak about that. And then uh, Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk will also be canvassing support for her idea of quarantining international arrivals into her state in regional mining camps. And that's uh, with the idea of getting these uh, arrivals out of urban or metro areas where there are a lot of people and in case of the chance of a community spread from a person quarantining. Uh, But I will say that Prime Minister Scott Morrison's been touring regional Queensland this week and he's spoken to some uh, local political leaders and I don't think he's entirely convinced of the plan, but we'll see where that goes. And then uh, finally, the leaders will also have to talk about this seasonal worker shortage. So in August last year, the federal government gave the green light to restart the Pacific Workers and Seasonal Worker Visa program, but since then only around... 1,500 workers have arrived to help farmers harvest their crops. So there's still, you know, a need for 26,000 workers. So that will need to be addressed today as well. All right. Uh, The heads of Australia's major news outlets will give evidence on the media bargaining code to a Senate committee today, Christina. Yes, so the Senate Economics Committee is currently examining examining this uh, government proposal to introduce a media bargaining code, and that's the code that would force tech giants like Google and Facebook to share their advertising revenue with news media businesses as a a way of sort of paying for their content. Uh, So there'll be a few representatives from major news outlets giving evidence today, and that includes from News Corp and Guardian Australia and the AAP, and of course Nine. So Nine's Chief Digital and Publishing Officer, Chris Jans, will be one of those representatives, and he'll argue that these tech giants have been built or have built their services off the back of their content. Now, he also referred to something that Google has been doing in the past past couple of weeks, which is removing news websites from its search results from some Australian users. And Google said it was doing that as a bit of an experiment, and we spoke about that. Uh, But Mr. Jans is expected to argue that this is just sort of an example of how much market power Google has, and Mm. he'll say it needs to be reined in. Now, executives from Google and Facebook will also be giving evidence at this hearing today, and they're actually going to go first, and they're, of course, arguing against the code. Both of them think it's basically unworkable. And then after them, there will be the major news outlets, followed by uh, Free TV, ABC and SBS, and then the Consumer Watchdog as well. So full schedule today for them as well. All right, Christina, I'll have to leave it there. Thank you. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you on Monday. Thank you. All right, Christina in the capital, Marcus Paul in the morning. Called it squeaky, squeaky, (laughs) because it made a little bit of a squeaking noise, and she now owns a Beamer. And it's a black Beamer, it's a three, uh, a three series, three two yeah. zero, and yeah. uh, it's called an aptly so Voldemort. <laughs> it's a good little topic, isn't it? Thirteen twelve sixty nine. Jump on. Let us know your car names. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to go home now. You want to do the law show as well? You did that so well. Hello, world. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> Where do I'm we go off. for all of your reviews and your videos, etc., on the new Beamer and this Kia Picanto, my friend? Barnesgarage.com.au is the website. Uh, find me on YouTube, Barnes Garage, Twitter, and most importantly, there's also now a podcast. Wherever Ooh. you get your podcasts, just search for Barnesgarage.com, Barnesgarage podcast, and hit the subscribe button. But in the meantime, Marcus, yep. you be kind to each other. <laughs> See you, Lawsy. Bye, mate. Bye-bye. There he is, Chris Bowen from Bowen's Garage. Our motoring export on the expert on the program. It's 23 after 8. Good morning. Ah, oh, don't you just love that voice? I do. I could listen to her all day, Scruff. Calm down there. I'm a bit oh, excited. Listen to this. Well, when she starts singing again. Oh, whenever you're ready, Nora. It's Nora Jones. It is. Beautiful. Names. Have you named your car? We'll find out in a tick. Nora Jones, 26 after 8. We're off to the newsroom in just a moment. Uh, Dustin, are you there, mate? Dustin, I'll press the button. Hello, mate. How are you? Good, Marcus. Thank you very much. Nice to hear you in the morning. I love your program. Thank you. Car names. Did you name a car? Yeah. So we got a Toyota RAV4. RAV4. And we named it Ravi Shankar. And not, <laughs> not many people know that name, Ravi Shankar, the famous Indian sitar player that was, you know, big big time in the 70s and 80s. So I love it. Ravi, Ravi Shankar. It's a great car. We love it. Good on you, mate. Thank you so much. Now, Justin, yes. um, you pranged your other car. Yes, I the completely car, wrote it off. The new car you have, uh, it's a very nice car. Yes, a Kia. It's I'm surprised the uh, leader of the opposition allows you to drive it. But what's it now called? Divorce. Because <laughs> if, if I crash it, there will be a divorce. <laughs> but who gets the wreck? That's the question. <laughs> All right, we're off to Canberra very soon. Christina in the capital, not too far away. 13 12 69, the telephone number, though, in the meantime. Uh, we spoke to Bowen from bowensgarage.com.au. Uh, he talked about a new <laughs> car this morning, the Picanto, the kind of car that Bowie reckons young women buy in bulk and give it a name. I mentioned that my partner, Ash, <laughs> she's pretty good at naming cars. She had an old V-dub she called Squeaky, for obvious reasons, and uh, the new car, a black one, called Voldemort. Uh, we've had a, a number of people ring through already letting us know about their car names. Cole, have you got one for me? Yeah, good day, Marcus. Before I go, mate, I just wanted to say, loving the program, mate. We've got to get rid of the, uh, the political donations. Those nine stories to fifteen, you're kidding me. Yeah, I'll ring you about that later on. And uh, if had someone called me Two Bob each way, I'd be stoked to mate. You're Mister Two Bob each way. I like the way you don't back one, buddy, my friend. Thank you. May I may I say now? I'll give you my car name. So we had this old bucket of bones, old rusty old thing, and and uh, I used to call it Matthew Shervington. Yeah, why? Because every time it got a bit of speed up, it's not sugar. <laughs> Talk you later, Marcus. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't know where to go after that. What do I do, Justin? What do I do? You know, Justin, uh, his, he pranged a car. Look, we've all been there, I guess, but he pranked one so badly. When they bought a new car, his wife, the leader of the opposition, good morning, Belinda, she thought she would name it Divorce, because if he prangs this one, that's exactly what he's got coming. Now on Marcus Paul in the Morning. 
Queen Bee of the Newsroom, Diane Coveney Garland. Good morning, Daisy. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm glad it's Friday. Oh, thank God it's Friday. It is the 22nd of January. It's now 23 minutes away from nine. Have you ever named a car, Diane? No, I'm a bit boring like that. Oh, no. No? No. Has Hubby ever named a car? No. You've got a work car, which I is do. plastered with 207 So, you know, yep, you can see me coming. It's nice. It is. What sort again is it? It's a Kia Sportage. All right. Well, why don't we name it? Mm, good uh, idea. What uh, should we name it, though? I don't know. But it has to start with K because it's a Kia. Mm. There's not many good na- Well, sorry. <laughs> oh, I better be careful. <laughs> when I say there's not many good names, can we... Christina. Ah. I got, well, no, Ooh. that would be weird. I could call it Christina, you but could. no. You Christina the mm. Kia. All right, I'll have to ask uh, Christina when she calls through from Canberra soon whether she's named her car. Mm. Justin says we should name it Bill. He's the one who's paying for it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I'll think of a name starting with K. Maybe somebody's got an idea out there. If you've seen Di cruising out in Sydney's West in the 2SM news car, a beautiful-looking car it is as well. Uh, Oh, it goes so well. Very nice. You like it? I do. Um, Hasn't Gilbert got a company car? Yes. Um, it's an old. Uh, it's it's an old Merc. I'm going to call it murdered. He's had that many scrapes and bingles with the thing. Yeah, I think there's bits of sticky tape on it holding yeah. it together. All right. So, Di, uh, Port Macquarie this morning. Uh, I beg your pardon. Coffs Harbour. Coffs Harbour this mm. morning. Um, uh, search has resumed for this. Tw- we've got details now on this bloke. He's 20. I was a bit... At first, I was thinking, <clears throat> maybe uh, this young woman that saw this bloke walking along the break wall up there at, mm. at Coffs uh, perhaps might have got it wrong. And, uh, look, we do have stories like that where people are like, well, I saw somebody on the beach and then they weren't there. And as is often the case, yeah. fortunately, that person had just packed up and gone home or maybe left something on the beach. That's but what you'd want. That's what you would like to think has happened. But, unfortunately, the 20-year-old man's family contacted police and said, look, he was going for a walk on the beach, haven't seen him, and then they found his car in the car park. And, you know, with the surf the way it's been in the last Mm. couple of days, um, that's terrible. Mm. We got uh, very hot condition. That search is underway again for that young man, by the way, and we we really hope there's a positive outcome for our listeners in Coffs Harbour this morning. Uh, Good morning to you on 2HC. Uh, Look, I I want to, again, put out a a very serious warning. Double demerit points are in uh, in Mm -hmm. play today. Of course, ahead of the Australia Day break. But please, it's going to be very warm in a number of areas, uh, particularly Sydney's west today. 31 on the coast, 35, 36 out west, and it's only going to get hotter over the next couple of days. Please, just be very, very careful around the water. They're, look, they're, they've already had 13 people die in waterways in New South Wales this year. This year? 22nd of January, 13, 13 deaths. deaths. That's shocking. Oh, for goodness sake. Mm. Okay. All right, Daisy, thank you. You have a great weekend. Thank you, you too. Uh, I'll be thinking of a car name uh, for the Kia, okay? Thank you. And Sounds good. 2SM News Kia. Killer Kia? Well, no. that could be. <laughs> no, no. No, no, not, not for a car that I'm driving. No, we don't want to no. go there. Get in contact with Marcus anytime. Email us. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. All right, a couple of emails to get to before we go to a break. And then Christina in the capital. Marcus, this is Dennis, by the way. I totally disagree with the bloke bagging Labor. Oh, I've done that one. Haven't I? Have I done that one or not? 
Oh, maybe not. Anyway, I'll do it again. Marcus, I totally disagree with that bloke bagging Labor and Whitlam. How many years have Liberals been in power? And look at the mess we're in. Look at the mess Howard, Abbott and Turnbull created. So much for businessmen running countries. Yeah, I've done that one. But thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, Mark is from Maclay Island. has got a couple of jokes. I'll get to those. Um, but if you want to send a note through to the program, We'd love to hear from you, 131269. And, of course, MP in the morning at 2SM Here we go. I've got this one I was looking for from Mick regarding Labor. Marcus, in my opinion, if Labor cared about workers, they would be front and centre in condemning Qantas, who have received a billion dollars in government support through COVID, as they make redundant their baggage handlers, cabin cleaners and pushback drivers, so Qantas can employ cheaper outsourced workers, thus saving $108 million a year. A certain CEO earns about a quarter of that amount every year. Just one man. It's frightening that employers are now able to move current staff on to employ cheaper workers using COVID as an excuse. I always believed the position had to be redundant, not the person. I worry for my kids because the silence by the media and the opposition on this, on Qantas, is deafening. All right, Mark. Mark from Maclay Island. I'll do an early joke. We'll probably have David on at some point on the program, if not uh, before nine after nine when we fill in for Lawsy. Don't forget John Laws, King of Talkback, is back uh, Monday week, February 1. Mark says, it's Friday, let's have a little fun. I'm looking for a woman who's been cheated on and is mad and scorned. Why? Well, I need some cheap tools, ASAP. (laughs) And this one... A man has been injured in a bizarre peekaboo accident. Where is he? He's in the ICU. Uh, all right, Alan, good morning. It's 17 to 9. Morning, Alan. How are you, mate? I'm Enjoy okay. Thank you. I've got, I've got a name suggestion for the Kia. Ah, uh, yes, for the news Kia, yes. Yes, uh, in New Zealand and in Maori, there's a word, kapai. Right. And it starts with a K. Yep. And the word means very good. Ah, carp. And it kind of plays with the car and the pie, car pie. <laughs> so carp, is it pay or play? Pie. Okay. Like you, yeah, car pie. Okay, car pie. Yeah. Very yeah. good, but do you know who's driving? No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> no, Di's a wonderful driver and she's, look, for a driver she makes a bloody good newsreader, I'll tell you that. All right, here we are. We're back. Um, thank you. On the email, uh, Dell, regarding harbour crossings, MPs Stokes and Constance are ministers for building and selling. While we slept in during holidays, they sold off fleets of buses on the northern beaches. They are heartless MPs and will never use buses like our soldiers. They will get to keep travel perks into old age. All services from Manly Wharf are routed away from Warringah Mall. Lots of us with walking aids can't do the extra miles. Shops are putting up clothes signs. Fabulous. Uh, the fabulous mall is becoming a ghost town of sad emptiness. I am disabled and, like many, have to shop on my computer. And I ought to take away. Pox on the libs in New South Wales from Dell. All right, Dell. Thank you. Uh, and this one from Peter regarding, uh, you know, the possibility of a new toll. Well, I think it's a certainty on this extra harbour crossing on the way eventually. 
Marcus is a courier tolls, add to my costs, but they cut my time. We can always look back to the great transport builders. Car, Yammer, Reese, Keneally, enough said. All right, Graham, are you there, mate? Yes, uh, good morning, Paul. How's it going? Good, thanks. Uh, Marcus will do, yeah. but yes. Okay. Yeah, look, I just that young lady with the Kia car. Yes. The name has got to be it's got to be a Karen, isn't it? Ah, oh, perfect. There you go. We're done. It is Karen <laughs> the Kia. Yeah. Okay. Can I just make another comment? Of course you can. Okay. Look, uh, I listen to a lot of this talk and metric going on about uh, getting this country started. There's no way in the world this country is going to get started again. You know, production production wise, without cheap electricity. No matter what else they might talk about, no matter what other... Unless they're going to just keep borrowing money until yep. there's nothing left to borrow on. <laughs> so if you don't have cheap electricity, you're not going to get production. No, a lot of people no say that. No nope, very true. Thank you, Graham. Appreciate the call and appreciate the... So that's it. We've named the Kia, the news car, uh, the die runs around in. It's Karen the Kia. Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. I have always believed in miracles. The latest from the capital. With Christina Rosengren. Morning, Rosie Cheeks. Good morning, Marcus. Have you uh, ever named a car? Uh, no, I've never owned a car. Well, okay, it makes it a bit hard, doesn't it? You've <laughs> never owned a car, Christina. Never. I've never needed to. Okay, all right, yeah. fair enough. No. <laughs> all right, well, look what what you lack in car, you more than make up in political reporting experience. So let's <laughs> <Thank> go. <you. laughs> National Cabinet is due to meet to discuss... How old are you? No, I won't go there. National Cabinet is due to meet to discuss new travel protocols, the national vaccine rollout and the seasonal worker shortage. It's a full agenda today, Christina. Yes, like uh, almost every other National Cabinet meeting, there's a lot to talk about. And uh, it also comes on the same day that these new travel protocols are going to be enforced on international flights. So that means that people flying into Australia will have to have a COVID test within 72 hours of their scheduled departure and then test negative. They'll also have to wear a mask on the flight. And so uh, government leaders will be briefed on these new rules today. They'll also be updated on the plans for the national vaccine rollout and then uh, on how the new variants of COVID-19 are being managed. And there'll be a bit of talk as well about international arrivals caps. Uh, As we know, National Cabinet decided a couple of weeks ago to halve the number of international passengers allowed into three states, and that was, of course, in response to the UK strain of COVID, which is highly infectious, and that rule is currently in place until February 15th, so they'll speak about that. And then uh, Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk will also be canvassing support for her idea of quarantining international arrivals into her state in regional mining camps. And that's uh, with the idea of getting these uh, arrivals out of urban or metro areas where there are a lot of people and in case of the chance of a community spread from a person quarantining. Uh, But I will say that Prime Minister Scott Morrison's been touring regional Queensland this week and he's spoken to some uh, local political leaders and I don't think he's entirely convinced of the plan, but we'll see where that goes. And then uh, finally, the leaders will also have to talk about this seasonal worker shortage. So in August last year, the federal government gave the green light to restart the Pacific Workers and Seasonal Workers Visa program, but since then only around... 1,500 workers have arrived to help farmers harvest their crops. So yep. there's still a, you know, a need for 26,000 workers. So that will need to be addressed today as well. All right. Uh, the heads of Australia's major news outlets will give evidence on the media bargaining code to a Senate committee today, Christina. Yes, so the Senate Economics Committee is currently examining examining this uh, government proposal to introduce a media bargaining code, and that's the code that would 
forced tech giants like Google and Facebook to share their advertising revenue with news media businesses as a, a way of sort of paying for their content. Uh, so there'll be a few representatives from major news outlets giving evidence today, and that includes from News Corp and Guardian Australia and the AAP, and of course Nine. So Nine's chief digital and publishing officer, Chris Jans, will be one of those representatives, and he'll argue that these tech giants have been built or have built their services off the back of their content. Now, he also referred to something that Google has been doing in the past past couple of weeks, yeah. which is remove, removing news websites from its search results from some Australian users. And Google said it was doing that as a bit of an experiment, and we spoke about that. Uh, but Mr. Jans is expected to argue that this is just sort of an example of how much market power Google has, and mm. he'll say it needs to be reined in. Now, executives from Google and Facebook will also be giving evidence at this hearing today, and they're actually going to go first, and they're, of course, arguing against the code. Both of them think it's basically unworkable. And then after them, there will be the major news outlets, followed by uh, Free TV, ABC, and SBS, and then the consumer watchdog as well. So full schedule today for them as well. All right, Christina, I'll have to leave it there. Thank you. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you on Monday. Thank you. All right, Christina in the capital, Marcus Paul in the morning. It's now 7 to 9. Marcus Paul in the morning. Is it Call Marcus now, 131269. All right, good morning and welcome to the program. Great to have your company. 131269 is the telephone number on this Friday morning, January 22, 2021. And New South Wales is set for an extremely hot weekend. A heat wave is, is expected to impact most of the state. Daytime temperatures around Sydney will reach 35 degrees today and peak on Sunday and Monday, with Penrith expected to hit some 40 degrees. The mercury, though, in inland areas such as the Riverina will rise to 45 degrees. So make sure you keep yourself and your animals well hydrated and check up, of course, on elderly relatives. Look, before we move on, I just wanted to give you an alert here that I've received just a moment or so ago from New South Wales Police. They are asking for our help. We've got a, a missing child in Sydney's west. He's only 13, this little fella. His name is Patrick Hartley. And he was last seen around 8pm on Sunday, January 17. Let's go uh, to, to police headquarters. In fact, Joanne Elliott might have some more details for us for this uh, missing young fellow. Good morning to you, Joanne. How are you? I'm good, Marcus. How are you? Good. Uh, great to catch up with you again this morning. Uh, we'll go to Coffs Harbour in just a moment, but I see now we've got a child missing from our Penrith Way, Castle Ray. Uh, what can you tell me about this? Um, yes, look, um, this boy, he's only 13. Um, his name is Patrick Hartley. He was last seen about 8 o'clock on Sunday night when he's left um, uh, an address on West Wiltshire Road at Castle Ray and he hasn't been seen or heard from since. Now, he was reported missing to Nepean Police and uh, they've commenced inquiries. They do have concerns for his welfare and I do have a description of Patrick, if that helps. Um, he's described as being Caucasian appearance, about yeah. 140 centimetres tall with brown eyes. At the time, he was wearing a black shirt, a black beanie, glasses with black frames. And we do have photos of Patrick on the New South Wales Police social media pages. So that's our Facebook pages and our Twitter pages. 
So anybody who's listening who um, follows that, they can find a photo of Patrick there. Now, we have information that he does frequent the West Wyalong and Goulburn area, so he may be heading that way. And um, obviously, any of your listeners, if they're able to help us, Marcus, that would be brilliant. They need to ring Crime Stoppers, 1-800-333-000. All right, the search has resumed for a man missing, uh, believed, swept into the seas off Coffs Harbour yesterday. Uh, This bloke, as we mentioned this morning... Uh, this 20-year-old was walking along one of the break walls uh, when um, he was apparently washed into the sea. How is the search going and what can you tell my listeners? Okay, well the search uh, resumed at 8 o'clock this morning. We did search overnight. Um, it was suspended at 10 but um, police continued to do um, sweeps of the foreshore by foot but um, the full search resumed at 8am. Um, it's involving local police, we've got water police, we have um, marine rescue volunteers, Surf Life Saving Australia and local lifeguards involved. Um, now, as we said, he wasn't, this man wasn't actually seen to be swept into the ocean. What happened was yeah. this lady was walking along the southern break wall. She's heard a huge wave hit, turned around, and the man who she was, you know, was walking along with her, um, not with her, but like behind her, behind her yeah. was missing. Yeah. So we haven't literally seen him be witnessed to be swept into the ocean, but he was there one minute, he was gone the next second. And then, as I described, sadly, a, a local family has approached police as they were preparing for last night's search, um, concerned that their 20-year-old son hadn't returned home from a walk, and that was his normal route. And um, unfortunately, the description um, of a man aged in his 20s, Mediterranean Middle Eastern appearance, muscular build and dark hair, does match the description of the man that um, was swept into the or we believe was swept into the sea. So they'll be continuing to search throughout the day. And look, we'll keep your newsroom um, informed. And if anything changes, we'll let you know. All right, Joanne, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Let's let's hope and pray we have a positive outcome in both of these uh, instances. We'll let you know. Thank you, Marcus. Thanks, Thanks for your help. Joanne. Not a problem. And by the way, if you're listening uh, up on the North Coast via our 2HC station, uh, please, if you have any information, get in contact with Coffs Harbour Police or, of course, you can call Crime Stoppers 1-800-333-000. Marcus Paul filling in for John Laws. Call 13 Yes, you can call me. Let me know what's on your mind. 13 12 69 is the telephone number. And, of course, the Fortress text line is open. 0458 049 209. Uh, Lawsy is back on Monday week. Don't forget, uh, okay? Set it in your diaries. Lawsy back Monday week on the first day of February. All right, National Cabinet will meet today with international arrivals, the vaccine rollout and the Queensland Premier's suggestion of a regional quarantine area. That'll top the agenda. Three Australian states have halved their international intake number, so governments across the nation can deliberate on how best to contain the new highly infectious strain of the virus. New rules will come into place, which will require those on Australia-bound flights to return a negative virus test within 72 hours before they board an aircraft. Boy, oh boy, why are we still flying people into our country? I do not understand. And why on earth weren't these rules in place in the first instance? 
Goodness sake, Anastasia Palaszczuk has suggested moving quarantine facilities away from central business districts so that in the event the virus does leak from a hotel, it doesn't enter a densely populated area. Look, that makes sense. And the five-stage vaccine rollout will also be discussed. Greg Hunt, our federal health minister, is confident people will start receiving the jabs as early as next month, despite concerns overseas about procuring enough doses. All right, to the United States of America and President Joe Biden started his duties almost immediately after the official inauguration ceremonies. It was hard to miss them. It was all over the news last night and again this morning. Uh, it's like our television networks are obsessed with US politics. Enough, please. Anyway, in case you're interested, he signed 15 executive orders, many of which reversed measures put in place by Donald Trump. The most notable orders were putting the US back into the Paris Climate Agreement and, among other virus rules, a mandate requiring masks to be worn on federal property. That's since been extended to buses, planes, trains and also at airports. They're playing catch-up on COVID-19 in the United States. Meantime, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, welcomed the swearing-in of the new president, saying he's ready to start work on international security and regional security in the Indo-Pacific. Job figures released yesterday show employment has almost returned to pre-pandemic levels. But that coincides with calls from the hospitality sector that if JobKeeper ends in March, businesses will go under. Treasurer Josh Frydenberg has, of course, knocked back the suggestion of extending the scheme. But hospitality heavyweights are now calling for an industry-specific scheme, as we mentioned yesterday, and they've called it HospoKeeper. Hospo Keeper. Oh, I don't know. Will more taxpayer money continue to keep businesses afloat that would otherwise shut down even without the pandemic? I don't know. Give me a call, 13 12 69, for your thoughts on that. The New South Wales Premier's office has been cleared of any wrongdoing when staff shredded documents relating to the $250 million council grant scheme. <laughs> really? I mean, this woman is coated in Teflon, isn't she? In an office. Boy, oh boy, a report by the Information and Privacy Commissioner found Gladys Berejiklian staffers didn't breach the state's Freedom of Information Act, but it did hand over its report to the Independent Commission Against Corruption. I'll have more to say on that this morning. 13 12 69 if you would like to have your say in sports in the cricket both the prime minister and the indigenous affairs minister have spoken out against cricket australia's rebranding of the australia day big bash league games they've opted to call them the january 26 games as we mentioned yesterday with ken wyatt saying the decision was disappointing and scott morrison telling cricket australia to focus more on sport and less on politics Was the PM a little tone deaf in some of his commentary yesterday? Some argue he was when he mentioned, uh, you know, that those on the first fleet that arrived here in Australia, you know, they weren't travelling too well either. It's probably a poor choice of words and he's been attacked for it, rightly or wrongly. Meanwhile, in the NRL and Canberra Raiders hooker Tom Starling has had a majority of his charges relating to a late-night scuffle with police dropped. 
A brawl broke out at a Central Coast restaurant in December last year, but Starling's lawyer was successful in having five charges of assault against an officer dropped, as well as one charge of a fray. And in tennis, yet another player has tested positive to coronavirus while in hotel quarantine. Uh, This one is 23-year-old Spanish player Paula Bedoza. She announced on Twitter this morning that she's tested positive. She says she's feeling unwell but hopes to make a speedy recovery. Give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind this morning. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Emails, MP in the morning at 2SM, supernetwork.com. And, of course, if you want to send a text, 0458 049 209 on this Friday, January 22nd. Marcus Paul filling in for the John Laws Morning Show. Lawsy is back in just over a week on Monday, Feb 1. Okay, welcome back to the program. A man aged in his 50s has died after being hit by a tree branch while golfing on the New South Wales south coast. What an unfortunate incident. This bloke was with three of his mates on the golf course at Mollymook yesterday afternoon when the branch fell onto his head. Must have been a a pretty decent-sized branch. Now, the other golfers went to his aid, and paramedics also performed CPR on this fellow, but sadly he passed away at the scene. Qantas yesterday announced they finalised the contracts with companies for outsourcing their ground handling operations. This comes while a federal court case brought by the Transport Workers Union questioning the legality of this outsourcing has not yet been heard. Qantas workers in Sydney have been told they'll all be gone by February the 2nd, despite the majority workers in Qantas's own survey selecting their preference for departure as the latest possible date provided by Qantas, which apparently was March. Scandal-ridden, Swissport is picking up the busiest airports, Sydney and Melbourne domestic. Swissport has had several agreements quashed by the Fair Work Commission for, well, basically ripping off their workers. Uh, below award rates and conditions. That's the official line. Swissport has also revealed to have forced workers to sleep beneath baggage carousels at the airport between gruelling split shifts. TW Assistant National Secretary Nick McIntosh says Qantas workers are distraught and flabbergasted that the airline they've given years of their lives to has treated them as disposable cogs in the machine. Their jobs are not redundant. Qantas still needs people to clean, load and push back their planes. These workers are being replaced because Qantas wants the work to be done cheaply. The Qantas workers, cruelly axed and outsourced in the middle of a pandemic, have given the airline decades of hard work and loyalty. They've given up their Christmases year after year and have done so with Qantas proudly on their backs. Last year, they were forced to go through the humiliation of bidding for their own jobs only to be sacked in the new year anyway. Now the airline will never again employ another baggage handler, cabin cleaner or pushback driver. The unions say that Qantas has peddled misinformation and that this move has been driven by the pandemic. 
In truth, COVID-19 has provided a convenient excuse for the airline, which planned to outsource these operations 10 years ago, as shown in internal documents stating the airline would exit ground operations by 2020. Anyway, I'm going to speak to the union about this a little later this morning. I think it's a blight. I really do. More than a billion dollars of your money, my money, taxpayer dollars have been paid to this airline to keep the bloody thing afloat. How do they repay the workers of Australia? Well, via this rubbish. And what about the leprechaun? I'm sorry. The CEO, who's on a big deal of coin, doesn't seem to give a rat's. Not concerned at all. He's in it for himself. Absolutely he is. And while he's got mates in the federal government who continually shell out taxpayer dollars, he's laughing all the way to the bank. All right, uh, this one here from Anastasia on the text 0458049209. Anastasia says, oh, yes, let's put the virus out in regional Queensland, areas that haven't had any cases, with no critical care hospitals to be found. Well, it's a very good point, isn't it? And that is the concern from a number of health officials in Queensland. Give me a call, 13 12 69, if you would like to have your say. Look, Australia's human rights record has come under fire at the United Nations. Here's a piece that ran on television last night. I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Any good performance review ends with a chance for self-reflection. Australia, like any other country, has room for improvement. A particular concern for mistreatment of our most vulnerable people, children, people with disability and the elderly. And the council agreed, making 250 recommendations for how we can meet our human rights obligations. To address violence against persons with disabilities. Step up its efforts in order to reach emission reduction goals. But it was our treatment of asylum seekers and Indigenous peoples that earned the most criticism. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander kids make up 6% of the youth population, but 65% of 10 to 13 year olds who are locked up in prison. To combat that, 31 countries in total have asked us to raise the age of criminal responsibility from 10 to 14. Canada recommends that Australia increase the minimum age of criminal responsibility. And raising the minimum age. Raise the minimum age of criminal responsibility. Raise the minimum age of criminal responsibility. Our kids are pushed into the justice system from racism and disadvantage. They are over-policed, they are targeted, and they are often in there for crimes relating to poverty. It wasn't all bad. The review partially congratulated Australia on our response to COVID-19 and recognised our progress on marriage equality, modern slavery and women's rights. We commend efforts to enhance protection of women's rights and promote gender equality. While a dig from China, itself under fire for the genocide of minorities, will be taken with a rather large grain of salt. Take actions to combat racial discrimination, hate speech and violence and protect the rights of ethnic minorities. The PM so far silent on that and whether any of these recommendations will be acted on. Yeah, well, what do you make of all of that? Um, I guess the big take-home for me, uh, I mean, really? China lecturing Australia on human rights violations? Spare me. Um, But certainly the one big thing is this call from Canada and other nations uh, for our government to consider raising 
the criminal responsibility, the age, from 10 to 14. So right now, um, at the age of 10, you can be held criminally responsible for your actions. They believe that's too young. Some are saying that it should be raised to 14. What do you say? I'd love to get your thoughts on it. 13 12 69, the telephone number. All right. G'day, Peter. How are you, mate? Oh, g'day, mate. How are you? Well, thank mate, you, buddy. It, it seems to me um, Australia's just seen as an easy target. We're, we're, we're the lucky country. We still are. We're, we're obliging. We're friendly. We're, we have great conditions. So other countries just go, let's... let's Pick on us, like exactly. You just mentioned China. Mm. What, are, what are those people there um, putting in detention camps? Are you Uruguayans or some? You go by the, the uh, Muslim yeah, people? the Muslims. Like, yeah, they've got you know, a, look, and Tiananmen Square. We all we need to do is have a look at what's happening in Hong Kong. Oh, China, no. China need to shut up when it comes to human so, rights. A whole lot. Exactly right. And how much? Well, we get billions to our indigenous. We have um, that scheme on now. I. I actually live on the mid-north coast and there's so many people involved in um, looking after the, the not, not handicapped people but the, you, you know what I mean the, the I do. people with half, halfway houses yep. and the carers and all that like yep. We're very the generous. Australia's most vulnerable. Jeez, I'm pretty sure they're looked after. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they're looked after. No, you're right. We are extremely generous. Um, look at JobKeeper and JobSeeker. Uh, we've done very well uh, on the COVID front. Look, we could be doing a little bit better when it comes to some human rights violations. I don't like... Personally, me, uh, a lot of people disagree with me, I know, but personally I don't see uh, what's to be gained by locking children up in detention centres offshore and paying millions of dollars just to look after one family on Christmas Island. It's a waste of money, in my opinion, but again, that's just my opinion. All right, mate, uh, you're from the Northern Beaches, are you, Pete? Oh, I actually live up the mid-north coast, but I'm just um, I'm just picking up some stuff down here and heading home to Sabah. Oh, OK, uh, up around the Northern Beaches. Uh, what's the uh, what's the roads? How have they been like? Is it all settled down now? Of course, school holidays coming to an end very soon. Has, has it been busy? Yeah, or no, the... it's not too bad, mate. I've come right across Sydney. I, I left... Um, I left the St George district this morning about 6am and then okay. uh, went through Roselle to pick some stuff up and then went over the uh, the bridge and went to Mossman to have a pick some other stuff up. Now yeah. I'm heading up to Monavale and um, yeah, it's great. All right, red lights, but <laughs> Beautiful day. It's gorgeous out there, isn't it? It's going to be hot too, very hot over yeah, the next mate. couple of days. You look after yourself and thank you very much for the call, Pete. All right, mate. You too. Cheers. See All ya. the best. Bye-bye. 13 12 69. Yeah, very warm to hot, a heatwave on the way leading up to Australia Day. Please, as we've heard this morning already from police, they are searching for a man who's believed missing off the uh, off the coast there at Coffs Harbour. If you are going around waterways and our beaches, which tens of thousands of Australians and visitors will be doing over the next couple of days as it starts to heat up. Swim between the flags. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but swim between the flags. Don't swim at unpatrolled beaches. And please, please keep an eye out for one another. The figures so far this year are astounding. It At the moment, it's the 22nd day of January, and in New South Wales alone... We've had 13 people drown. That's 13 people drown in New South Wales alone in 22 days. We need to be a little more careful around our waterways.
temporary visa holders are being deported for breaching COVID public health orders with this French national, this bloke with the ponytail and the, the undercut that looks like, a, I don't know, a dreg. He's been booted out of the country. Au revoir, mate. Why? Well, he got kicked out on Tuesday over his role in organising an illegal New Year's rave party. According to Border Force, who've done a good job on this, our Immigration Minister, Alex Hawke, said several people have already been deported as a part of Border Force operation targeting non-citizens breaking coronavirus safety measures. So that's good. Under Operation Baritone, Australian Border Force have issued hundreds of formal warnings and eight visa cancellations, and they've conducted several removals from Australia of non-citizens for breaching COVID-19 restrictions. Yep, if they're breaking the law, kick them out. Filling in for John Laws, Marcus Paul. Get in contact with Marcus anytime. Connect with us at 2smsupernetwork.com. Email us. Check out our podcasts and listen live to smsupernetwork.com. On the email, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. This one from Terry regarding China. Marcus, back in July 2019, independent research estimated the limits, uh, well, the number of people detained in Chinese re-education camps to be sitting at around 1.5 million. That number is now closing in at 2.5 million. This country is the one pushing the world around and bullying countries into submission. How soft are our world leaders? Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of the big issues when it comes to the United Nations. It's almost like they continually ignore the elephant in the room when it comes to China and human rights. Uh, John, good morning to you, John. John the painter. G'day, Marcus. I'm all for JobKeeper, provided there is stricter measures on the businesses so they can't just pocket the money. I live in Wellington, New South Wales, and there's a fishing chip shop that has stayed closed during the pandemic and is still closed despite there being a lot of workers building a solar farm and wind farm out here. Uh, he's bragged around town that he's earning, his, uh, earning much more on JobKeeper than opening up and trading as a business helping our economy. Yeah, that's a concern. Thank you, John. And Matt, good morning to you, Matt. Thank you for your note. G'day, Marcus. Regarding changing the age of criminal responsibility. In New South Wales, we have what's known as the Young Offenders Act. This particular act allows for young offenders who commit three crimes, uh, three youth cautions and youth conferences, unless the offence is in the category of indictable or serious indictable. If any young person is remanded in custody for a crime, they are already a recidivist offender, I believe. Yeah, well, it's really difficult, isn't it? I mean, I'm all for looking into the backgrounds of young people, and there's a lot of disadvantage, I understand that, and there's a lot of disproportion when it comes to young juveniles in juvenile detention centres, Aboriginals, Torres Strait Islands, etc. I mean, how do we stop these people offending in the first place? That's what's concerning me. So, Team Twelve Sixty Nine, if you'd like to have your say. Well, 
the New South Wales Premier will this morning be breathing a sigh of relief after being cleared of any wrongdoing when her office shredded documents relating to a huge council grant scheme. If you don't remember, staffers from Gladys Berejiklian's office admitted they'd shredded documents detailing why $250 million worth of grants were given to specific councils. Good old-fashioned pork barrelling. State opposition and several independent MPs were outraged when their own analysis showed 95% of the Stronger Communities Fund was given to councils in coalition seats, and the coalition couldn't or wouldn't explain why. The matter was then referred to the Information and Privacy Commissioner, which has now said there was no breach of the state's Privacy of Information Act. Well, if that's the case... (laughs) And I can't believe it anyway, but if that's the case, I'd be having an in-depth look at the Act because it's clearly failing the New South Wales taxpayer. We deserve to know why a quarter of a billion dollars was pork-barrelled into LNP seats ahead of the last state election. That's not how a democracy should work. Now, I know people might be listening say, oh, well, Labor's done it. Labor's done it. Other people have, I don't know... Uh, committed crimes in the past. Does that give you an excuse to commit a crime right now? No, it doesn't. And, and of course, this isn't a crime. It's just politics. But I, look, again, I think it's above politics. And whether you're, you know, a Labor supporter, Liberal, LNP, Nationals, Greens, whatever, I think we all must agree that public money should be evenly distributed around the state of New South Wales. The Privacy Commissioner says the complaint should have been made under the Government Information Public Access Act. Oh, these bloody bureaucrats. Not the Freedom of Information Act. The Commission says without a GIPA application, it wasn't satisfied there'd been a systemic breach of the GIP Act. (laughs) They shredded documents. For God's sake, how can that not be a breach of Freedom of Information So it sounds like the complaint fell short of finding any wrongdoing due to a, what? Technicality. Absolutely, it did. Notably, the Information and Privacy Commissioner said she's not concerned the primary guidance manual, which is given to ministerial officers and staff, didn't provide necessary guidance to promote lawful compliance with the GIPA Act. Again, that's more uh, bureaucratic gobbledygook or bullshit, which tries to effectively, uh, well, justify their roles. I mean, for God's sake, if the Privacy Commissioner believes that there's (laughs) nothing wrong, nothing to see here with the destruction of what I would have referred to as official government documents, well, then I'm not here. Really? In my opinion, any person with half a brain would think it's necessary to keep documents relating to such an expensive scheme. $250 million worth. If you go and take out a loan with the bank today, or you take out a loan with any lender, you go and exchange contracts, etc., right, and you're using your money, you damn well will be keeping a record and a documented record as that of that, you know, <laughs> of what the transaction's all about. For God's sake, Chair of the Parliamentary Committee investigating the scheme, David Shoebridge, says he's not surprised with the outcome because the matter was never to do with the GIPA Act, but rather to do with transparency in the grants program. Well, that is what we want when the government hands out even a single dollar. They should be transparent and provide us with a reason why that dollar was spent. 
The outcome of this report is just ridiculous. How on earth could the Premier's office hand out $250 million and not keep adequate records? Let's hope this matter doesn't disappear into thin air like the Daryl Maguire scandal. Probably will. There's more of this story and I tell you what, it reeks of bloody corruption. Absolutely it does. And again, the Premier rocking up to work today in Teflon is just grinning like a Cheshire cat. Nothing to see here, nothing to see here. We've done it all before. It'll continue to be done until somebody does something about it. And I'm sorry, it's just not good enough for New South Wales taxpayers. John Law's Morning Show returns February 1st. Yep, Monday week. Okay, 13, 12, 69 to have you say. John, good morning. Hello, John. Hi, Marcus. How you going? Well, thank you, mate. Uh, yeah, I'm just calling in. Up until very recently, I was a um, records officer with a local government. Yeah. And, you know, the kind of audits we had, the kind of records we had to keep, if we'd done anything approaching shredding documents related to a grant of that size... You know, you'd expect it to be fired and probably charged. Well, yes, I don't, I don't get it. I really cannot for the life of me understand how 200... I mean, not all of the documents were shredded and unaccounted for, but a lot of them were. And so you worked for a local council, did you? Is that right? Yeah, I did, yeah. Okay. And you kept... Uh, you're a bookkeeper. You kept records and documents of... The actual of expen- title is a, rec- a records officer. So, you okay. know, you keep documents. Once a year you get audited. They come through with a fine comb. Yep. Any money you've been allocated under grant schemes, you've got to account for, you know, every last dollar. And, you know, year in, year out, you might miss $200 here, $100 there. Yep. And, and these are large projects. Mm. And you've got to sign, you know, your statutory declaration where this money went, why it disappeared. So, yep. you know, $250 million, that's just next level. It's crazy. Well, it is. Uh, it makes the sports rorts uh, look like child's money. All right, mate, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Terry, good morning. Good morning. Um, yes, regarding that Gipper Act, um, obviously they didn't breach the Gipper Act. You know, there's all the rules and regulations around that, which they haven't breached. But um, the shredding of the documents is more a records-keeping, like that gentleman was just saying. It's a failure to keep those records. Um, For whoever had to do the uh, inquiry into the shredding, Mm. they had to go into the, um, the hard drives of the computers to get the information back. You know, so they they were pretty... Uh, close to having this thing not even known about. Yep. Um, and, and like, it's gone off now to the Independent Privacy Commissioner. Yeah, it's just being handballed around everywhere. Uh, the yeah. Gipper Act, for those who are playing uh, at home, that's the Government Information Public Access Act 2009, and uh, basically it's been found that whomever within the Premier's office hasn't, uh, who shredded these documents, hasn't breached this Act. <laughs> I mean, no, well, they these... haven't. In, in that regard, they haven't. Um, they they breached something else, but it's not the Gipper Act, you know? Well, then why, I wonder, was it referred to the uh, Gipper Act in the first place? I mean, again, it's... Well, I don't know, because that's... Going around um, in circles. It's a privacy thing, you know, that's about privacy. Yes. Um, where they were in the secrecy world rather than the privacy. Yeah. I mean, my problem is um, you hear of people having problems and somebody will say to them, 
oh, you should write or ring the ombudsman. Yeah. Well, all every government department is run by the LNP. There's always somebody from their side around the desk that decide whether you get A or you get nothing. It's a, it's a scheme. It's a whole scam. The whole government is a scam. Well, uh, you'd like to think it's not. Uh, here's another really good example of, you know, where things have gone a bit skew if residents of Western Sydney are fuming. After it was revealed, a major residential development was granted approval to significantly increase its height. The Bennelong Parkway site out there near Sydney Olympic Park, will now be 15 storeys tall instead of the original nine. Some 1,500 locals who went to the trouble of putting through their concerns, you know, it's it's not easy uh, to give feedback on developments and construction sites. It's not easy. You've got to go, you know, jump through hoops and all the rest of it. 1,500 locals say the development will be... Uh, will stick out like a sore thumb because it will be much taller than surrounding buildings. But it's not the only concern. The bigger concern, of course, apart from the aesthetics of the area, is that there's no infrastructure. There, there aren't enough transport options to support an influx of residents. I mean, originally, the developer at 23 Benelong Parkway wanted this thing up to 35 storeys, for God's sake. There's no local school. No, there's like a primary school or half a primary school, a tiny primary school. There's no high school. But community backlash forced the developer to scale back its proposal to 15 storeys for each tower. So there's a couple of towers here. But again, the the, the concerns, and they're not NIMBYs. I'm going to be very clear about this. It's not about NIMBYism. It's about the fact that the government and the planning department is allowing developments like this to go ahead without adequate infrastructure in place. There's hardly any... There's no open space there at Benelong Point. There's, uh, there's a Benelong Parkway. Of course, I need to be very careful here. It's not Benelong Point in the city. It's Benelong Parkway out in the west of Sydney. I mean, Wentworth Park is an area that is already quite... Uh, Dense, so far as population's concerned, there are towers going up everywhere. But there's no infrastructure. The closest high school, I think, is Concord High. They might want to add a few extra buildings to Concord High in order to deal with the influx of people. But not only that, there's no public transport. So what do people have to do? Jump in their cars to get to work or to get to the nearest public transport hub. And this is the concern. 13, 12, 69... All right, uh, Dennis, good morning. How are you, Dennis? Yes, uh, uh, Marcus. Yes, mate. It, it, it's disgusting. It's disgusting how she got off, uh, how they come with that report, the finding of the report of Berejiklian uh, shredding that, the, all that paperwork and getting off. But I, I knew she would get off because there's no accountability anymore. It's, I'm living over this. How, you know, what? can you remember... When, uh, and what about Richard McKenzie? The same thing happened in the federal sphere, you know, well, with, at uh, least, with the sports yeah, brought. Yeah, but hmm? at least Bridget uh, was made to at least step aside uh, at some point. But look, I, you, you're yeah. right. That's why I mentioned the word Teflon. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And plus, like you said, with all the other stuff that, that surround her, how she's still working in that position? She's not a fit and proper person to be having that job. I don't know what 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 do you have to do now to lose to lose your job? Go, going back to the federal sphere again. Remember, um, Ros Kelly? She fell on her sword. Yep. Plenty of others have. Plenty of others had, and I hate to bring this up all the time, but what about a former Labor Premier? <laughs> he went for a bottle of plonk. I mean, for goodness sake. Uh, and you know what the big problem is? Yesterday I read with interest again another real nice little puff piece on the Premier saying, you know, that uh, last year was pretty tough politically, uh, but 2021 she's ready to get up and at him again. Another year of rorts. It's a joke, is what it is. Hello, John. How are you? Hello, Marcus. How are you? All right, thank you, mate. That's John. Uh, you're speaking about the the shredding of the legal yes, please, documents. mate. Off you go. I'm running out of time. Go ahead. Oh, well, I'll, I'll ring you if you're no, running no, out of time. Go, no, off you go. Go ahead. No, no, I'll, I'll ring you back. I'm not going to waste my time in two seconds because there's a lot of All stuff. All right, well, you wasted a whole heap of time just going over stuff. Maria, good morning. How are you? Hi, Marcus. Hello, Maria. You called me the other day. Oh, my sister did. Oh, okay, yes. Because we are seniors and we've got to attend the hospital, we're so concerned. And I was just wondering, when could you kindly call Andrew Constance and ask him to come on the line so you can talk to him? He's the Minister for Transport. And we're so frail and elderly and find it very hard. Yeah, just this is in relation to buses running to Royal North Shore Hospital yes, the from the one four four from Chatswood. Yeah, why why didn't he ask opinion of all the people who who take this transport? Because not only does it run to the North Shore Hospital, it carries on to Manly and comes all the way back, and it's always full. So what's the problem? I don't know. Just remind me, uh, has this service been cancelled altogether or just scaled back, Maria? It's just cancelled. Cancelled. Okay. All right, we'll get Transport for New South Wales to provide us with some sort of explanation and we might ask for the Minister to come on. Okay? Thank you. You're so kind. Love listening to you. Make a lot of sense. (laughs) I try. (laughs) You're wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, Maria. Hello. Michael, are you there? Yes, I am, Marcus. How are you, Michael? Oh, well, it's going to be hot and dry out at Dubbo this weekend. Oh, absolutely. It's going to be absolute. well, 38, 39 degrees plus, they tell us, out uh, west of the Great Dividing Range. Yes. Marcus, I've been listening to your program during the week and I'd like to just pass comment on these precious pups that keep phoning into you complaining about having to wear a mask in COVID-19 or getting a jab. Yes. Yep, go ahead, mate. Look, I'm over 60 years of age. Now, when I was six years old, we all lined up at the local Shire Hall. Now, it was like election day. They had the electoral rolls in front of you. You got your name crossed off. And I didn't get one jab, I got three. Yep. Now, the needles I had back then, Marcus, were like the Wotan injected vets shoes on cattle. Mm. Now, I bore my eyes out and I said to my dad, why, why, why? And my dad simply went and got a newspaper from the 1930s. Yep. And it showed a whole hospital ward full of people in iron lungs because of polio. Absolutely, and I, I don't mean to hurry you along, but the, uh, the the news is coming, Michael. You're absolutely right. Uh, if it wasn't for my dad getting a polio injection, I wouldn't be here. That would probably make a few listeners happy, but I wouldn't be here. It saves lives. 
Marcus Paul in the morning. Hello. All right, welcome back. Second hour of the John Laws Morning Show. Of course, Lawsy will be back on Monday week, the 1st of February. Ollie, good morning. Thank you for your email. G'day, Marcus. I haven't flown Qantas for years, and I probably won't now due to their greed, in particular overpriced ticketing. They are mollycoddled by the government. Cash thrown at them, left, right and centre. Instead, they sack around 4,000 staff. How about they send Alan Joyce's job offshore? Imagine the millions that will be saving. <laughs> His salary is around $23 million, which, in my opinion, is just obscene, says Olivia. Thank you. That's a good email. All right, uh, let's go back to callers now. Raymond, are you there? Raymond. Hello, Raymond. How are you? Marcus, you're a gentleman. Thank you. I try to be. Are you there? Raymond? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, just go ahead, mate. That phone's a little dodgy. Uh, What did you want to say? I see this problem with the council. Since 2019, I'm 71 years of age and I can't afford a lawyer. Mm. They've damaged my house. And they have a duty of care to make sure they help me and have no interest whatsoever. And I've been through the system, compliance chief plan, and I'm dealing with council officers, dealing with this builder that's damaged my property, and they're not qualified to do nothing in building, but I have to put up with this. And now I'm going back. Do you have access to an email? Because um, first and foremost, it's a little hard to understand or, or hear you properly on that phone. What I'd like to do, Raymond, I'm going to put you back uh, back to the switchboard. Uh, can we get Raymond's details, guys, a, a mobile phone number? Pass him on our email details so that Raymond can send me exactly uh, the detail of what his complaint is with the local council because we'll do some work on it. All right, so let's get Raymond's details and pass him on our text, uh, pass him on our email so we can uh, find out exactly what the complaint there is. All right, uh, Ralph, good morning. How are you? Good, thanks, Marcus. How are you? All right, thank you, Ralph. That's the way. I've rung up to talk about Australia versus China. Okay. Right, now, as a listener and a Christian, I find it alarming and distressing when you censor and cut off Christians because this is Australia and not communist China. And this is a talk show and not a sermon or Sunday mass. Ralph, and I'm about to cut you off as well. I am so sick of 2GB. Sick of ABC. Oh, trying to lecture me. I'm just sick of SBS and all the Murdoch press is such a bloody mess. So who the hell is Marcus Paul? What a bloody call. Let's anybody call. They call him up on 13 12 and he lets them say what they're thinking. Just call 13 I'm sorry, I just don't have the patience for Ralph today. I, I honestly don't. I, I probably should, but I don't. Uh, and straight away, um, you know, saying that this is Australia, not China, just because, again, I don't want sermonising on my show. But bring the other shows if they allow you to sermonise and, and quote 
Bible passages ad nauseum, go for your life. Um, I don't particularly <laughs> think it's a major thing we should be discussing on talk radio. To be honest, I'd rather talk about the issues and things that the vast majority of Australians are concerned about. Where our taxes, our tax dollars are spent, whether or not we're going to be paying more or less tax in the future, uh, a whole range of other far more important issues than the whinging and whining Ralphs of this world. Uh, here's a good news story. Anita Donlan is a friend of my breakfast program. She's from Beef It Up Australia. Anita, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Marcus. How are you? All right. Where in this wide brown land are you today? <laughs> well, Tim and I, Tim's actually driving. Um, we're on our way to uh, New South Wales. We're in a little town called, where are we now? Rushworth. Rushworth. Okay. Victoria. Lovely. Yeah. So we're on our way to um, five towns. Now, I just wanted to call in, Marcus, and let you know. So if you've got any, any listeners that are, <clears throat> excuse me, that are either in or know anybody in the following small towns, we're going to yeah. Walla Walla today. Walla Walla? Walla Walla today, Pleasant Hills tomorrow. Mm. Urana on Sunday. Yep. Bulldale Bull on Monday. And then, I'm really excited about this one, we're going to a little town called Walbundry on Australia Day and we're going to be seeing how this little town celebrates Australia Day. Walbundry. Boy, oh boy, there's a little speck on the map, isn't there? Yeah. Now, look, the reason why we're going there is for Let's Get Rural, which, of course, is a project of Beef It Up Australia yep, and yep. it's got the absolute wonderful support of the Australian Horizons Foundation. But what we do, Marcus, is Let's Get Rural is all about capturing the community spirit. So we talk to the publican and the locals and we find out the history of the town, what's the glue of the town. We talk mental health. We talk about economic and social issues, really grassroots stories. And your listeners can actually follow us on Let's Get Rural, and that would be greatly appreciated. Let's Get Rural. You've done some wonderful work in regional communities in New South Wales and in Victoria of late. Uh, the Beef It Up Australia campaign has uh, looked into and tried to help out where, you know, others have failed in the mental health of, of farming communities. You get together uh, with a group of people at local watering holes to discuss issues. It's something that I believe is going a long way to help people survive droughts, bushfires, and of course now the latest COVID-19 pandemic. Well done yeah. to you, Anita. Thank you. And look, one last thing. We're going to these five towns because they've been nominated. So your listeners, if they know of any, any cool little tall, small towns, they've got to be small, um, all they have to do is go to beefitupaustralia.org yep. and nominate it. There's a nomination page there. But just on that measure of mental health, Marcus, the, the local pub is really the hub of every community. And if our farmers are hurting, our communities are hurting. So... Let's just, everyone, just get in and help a mate out, eh? And just do what we've got to do. All right. Where do people go again? Just tell me uh, that site. Beefitupaustralia.org. Yep. And, of course, we're all on the social medias, but Let's Get Rural is our very, very exciting campaign. Tim, who is also our driver, he's our he's our host. Yep. And he just basically sits and has a chat, don't you? I sit there and have a chat, a uh, quiet beer and... 
uh, just talking about what's going on in the town and uh, the problems that people have and the publican is the one that's always there to lend an ear and have a chat themselves. No, I think that's a wonderful initiative. Well done to you both and uh, thanks for calling in, Anita. It's always great to hear from you. Good luck. Thank you for your support. Not a problem, guys. Take it easy. See, Ralph... I think that's better to be talking about issues affecting rural and regional Australia rather than hearing you carrying on about, I don't know, Australia being China just because some guy who's filling in on the radio won't let you quote a passage from the Bible for God's sake. Podcast Marcus Paul in the morning at any time. Go to 2sm.com.au and click the show page. Uh G'day, Marcus. I don't believe in religion, uh, but every time you cut off um, somebody who wants to quote something from the Bible, I'm starting to believe there is a God after all. Nancy, good morning. How are you, Nancy? Hello, Marcus. How are you? Ah, fighting fit on a Friday. One week to go. One week. But I I love being here. I really do love being here, Nancy. I've enjoyed doing the extra shifts. How have you been? This is our first chat for this year, isn't it? That's why I'm saying I've still got asthma. Oh, sweetheart, that's not good. It's awful. The doctor wants to put me in hospital, but I'm not telling. You don't... Well, well, listen, Nancy, if you do need to go to hospital, I I really hope you do follow your doctor's orders, though, because a doctor knows best. Anyhow, I just phoned to wish you a happy new year and yeah. good luck for the rest of the Oh, well, you're year. gorgeous. Thank you so much, Nancy. Promise me, though, promise me if, if the asthma gets too bad, please follow your doctor's advice and, and get help. Hospital is the best place, Nancy, for you. I, would, I just want you to stay well and healthy so you can stay listening uh, throughout the year, OK? Thank you. Bless you. All right, bless you. But thank you, please. Go and see your doctor, Nancy. Uh, the doctor and the hospital. Alrighty, 13 12 69, the telephone number if you'd like to have you say. Marcus Paul in the morning. Look, quick break when I come back. I'm going to have a chat to the Transport Workers Union and the Assistant National Secretary, Nick McIntosh. Yep, they've got a lot to say about Qantas at the moment. And I think it's fair criticism. Absolutely, it's fair criticism because Qantas have received, you know, a, a vast array of taxpayer dollars, a vast array, an amount. Uh, that you and I could only dream of receiving if we're in business, for God's sake. I know it's a big business, I know it's tough, I know COVID's affected the aviation industry, etc. But when you have a chief executive officer on $23 million a year and you start outsourcing jobs, well, of course, it's going to upset people. So the Transport Workers Union next. All right, welcome back to the program. As we mentioned earlier, Qantas yesterday announced they finalised the contracts with companies for outsourcing their grounding, uh, their ground handling operations. It comes while a federal court case brought by the TWU, the Transport Workers Union, questioning the legality of this outsourcing has not yet been heard. Well, Qantas are obviously very, very positive in their move. I don't know about public sentiment, Mr Joyce. I think you'll find you're on the outer there. Qantas workers in Sydney have been told they'll be all gone by the 2nd of February, despite the majority of the workers in Qantas's own survey selecting their preference for departure as the latest possible date provided by Qantas, which is March. But no, what does Alan want to do? He wants to push him out the door ASAP. 
the Transport Workers Union's Assistant National Secretary is Nick McIntosh. Nick, good morning to you, mate. G'day, Marcus. How are you? Well, I'm, uh, I'm actually a little sad because I, I, I just don't understand how our so-called national carrier, of which I help fund through my taxes, I don't understand how they are getting away with treating their workers so shoddily. Well, Marcus, me and you both, I mean, this is the company that calls itself the Spirit of Australia. This is the company that, that as you point out, has, has taken now uh, over $1 billion of taxpayer money and counting in the, in the last a little under 12 months. Uh, and what's their response? Uh, it's to decide they're going to go and outsource their entire workforce, and not or their ground-handling workforce, I yeah. should say. And not, not, not because the jobs don't need to be done, but they just want to. They just want to replace their their workforce. Some of these guys have been there thirty plus years, second, third generation Qantas workers. That's all they've done their whole lives. Built the company up uh, and bring in uh, what's essentially going to be uh, cheaper labour yep. uh, under less secure conditions. It, no, it's, it's rubbish. Great. It is, and I wonder whether Alan, sitting in his office listening to this this morning on his $23 million a year, realises that he gets this uh, very generous salary package because of the hard work done by these people who have been with your company for decades. You reckon he realises it? Well, I mean, I I doubt it, Marcus. I I mean, you you, you and I are reasonable people and we would realise it, but but this is the thing that really gets gets our goat and gets the goat of uh, of the workers. Let's remember that uh, only a few years ago, Qantas was going to the federal government, cap in hand, saying we need a bailout and we're losing money and all the rest of it. And so what happened? The, the workers, the hard-working workforce, did the right thing by the company and took an 18-month wage freeze, which, which, which they said at the time, if that's what we need to do to keep this company going, that's what we'll do. Now, then a couple of years later, when Qantas was back making billions of dollars of profit, not mainly because fuel prices went down, not because of anything uh, genius that the senior executive team did, um, the senior executives, including Alan, took $24 million uh, in pay. Yeah. And then, of course, when times are tough again, they go and get government bailouts. What do they do? They get rid of the workers that, that are the ones that made the sacrifices. So it's just... It's just beyond belief that this is a company calling itself the Spirit of Australia behaving in this way. How confident are you in taking this matter to court? I mean, Qantas are obviously very optimistic about their chances because they're pushing ahead regardless. Uh, you know, uh, there, were, there was an option for these workers to leave, what, March? Uh, uh, but it looks like the airline wants them out by the 2nd of February. Well, this is the thing, Marcus. They went through this whole charade uh, before Christmas of saying to people, look, when, when do you want to leave? Pick your time between now and the end of March when JobKeeper ends. And, of course, most of, most, of, um, most of these workers said, well, we don't have any other jobs. It's not a great time to go out and get other, other good, uh, good, secure jobs. So we'll, we'll go until JobKeeper uh, ends. And it should have been no skin off Qantas's nose because they're, of course, receiving... Uh, basically free labour because we, we as taxpayers were paying for it and, and instead they, they announced a bombshell only a week ago that, oh, we've decided that we're going to push you all out uh, on the 2nd of February uh, regardless of what you told us only a month ago and regardless of the fact that we actually don't have to pay we don't have to pay you out of our own pocket either way. So that part doesn't make sense, Marcus. In terms of the federal court action, look, um, the te- when, when Qantas decided that they were going to uh, outsource and they, they said to the workers, oh, put an in-house bid in, as, as upset as workers were that had been there so long that they had to suddenly bid for their own jobs, 
uh, putting that to one side, uh, we engaged Ernst & Young, one of the big four global um, consulting firms uh, in the country and, in fact, in the world, yeah. uh, to, to, to help put this bid together. And, and they found, when they went through the, the numbers that Qantas provided them and all the information, they actually came up with a bid uh, that was better than the, than the, market, uh, than the market rate. Yet, inexplicably, uh, Qantas decided, no, that wasn't good enough, and we'll, we'll just go and, uh, and outsource you in any event. So we're, we're perplexed by it. The workforce is perplexed. Unfortunately, the state of the law in this country is not particularly helpful in, in the sense that it's not going to come down to, was the outsourcing fair? You've, you've then got to link it to um, certain, certain technical uh, issues in the Fair Work Act. But, but nonetheless... Qantas have got a lot of questions to answer for here. All right. Why are you, why are you taking this taxpayer money and, mm. and, and meant to keep workers connected to you and outsourcing them? Well, that's true, and it's not as if the mob they're bringing in, Swissport, at uh, two of the busiest airport hubs in the country, uh, Melbourne and Sydney, it's not as if the, they've got a great track record either. Well, this is the thing, Marcus. They, they've, they've consistently been found by various courts in this country to have underpaid their workers. Uh, they, they still can't get an enterprise agreement through the Fair Work Commission. They've been trying for years an enterprise agreement through because it's worse than the minimum rates and standards in this country. And instead of doing the right thing, uh, this company, this company uh, just says, no, nah, we're going to keep pushing through. Uh, no one's going to tell us what to do. And if we pay below minimum standards, that's what we'll do. I mean, let's remember, this is a company that was found out a couple of years ago for uh, having workers having to sleep at baggage terminals between yeah. between shifts. This is disgraceful. And this is who this is who the spirit of Australia has decided, as you say, to give the, the, the work at the two busiest ports in the country to. Mm. Always good to have you on. We'll catch up again very soon and continue the fight for the workers in this case. Uh, thank you, Nick. Uh, always great to talk. Thanks, Marcus. All right, there he is, Nick McIntosh, uh, the Transport Workers Union's national, well, assistant national secretary. Email Marcus and follow the show on social media by going to 2sm.com.au. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back. Um, a couple of people emailing uh, in regards to my call with Ralph. Didn't last very long this morning, and here's why. Good, thanks, Marcus. How are you? All right, thank you, Ralph. That's the way. I've rung up to talk about Australia versus China. Okay. Right, now, as a listener and a Christian, I find it alarming and distressing when you censor and cut off Christians because this is Australia Mm. and not communist china and this is a talk show and not a sermon or sunday mass ralph and i'm about to cut you off as well yeah paul ralphie was alarmed and distressed (laughs) alarmed and distressed boy oh boy ralph what a life you must lead alarmed go and i don't know prune the roses or something get out there ralph it's a beautiful day around most of Australia right now. I don't know where you're from, Ralph, but it's a gorgeous day. A gorgeous day. You know what I'm alarmed and distressed about, Ralph? The fact that up there in Coffs Harbour, there's a missing man believed to be swept out to sea. That's something to be alarmed and distressed about, Ralph. Okay? Priorities, my friend. 
All right, and, and speaking of that, uh, Denise Anderson is from our sister station, uh, well, around the Super Radio Network. We've got a swag of stations, of course, but 2HC, Coffs Harbour, is our station up there, and Denise is with us this morning. Hello, Denise, how are you? Uh, hang on there. Why isn't that working? Let me try this button. Denise, are you there, Dal? Yes, I am, Marcus. Good morning. Wonderful. I've got you there now. Thank you for uh, providing a bit of time with us. Uh, what's happening? What's the latest on this search for this missing 20-year-old man? Yes, well, uh, Mother Nature will out, won't she? Rough waves, of course, up over the uh, break wall. And uh, it, we have a witness, actually, that has come forward, a 24-year-old woman. She told police she was walking in front of the man yeah. and a large wave struck the break wall behind her. She turned around and he just disappeared. Uh, they are out searching again this morning, yeah. but uh, no news on that so far. Oh, dear. Now, you would know that area far better than what I would. Um, the break wall there it must have been a big wave to get up and over. It must have been, yes. Well, about um, coming up to two years ago, we had a huge uh, surge at our marina, which went up over the break wall there and wrecked a lot of yachts in the marina. So it does happen. Yeah. And look, uh, the swells have been up over the last couple of days. We gave out a number of warnings, Denise, uh, not only in our news services, and I'm sure you would have there at 2HC Coffs, but, I mean, we were warned uh, to be very careful around uh, the ocean. It's on the improve now, thank goodness, but again, it's another timely reminder. Uh, You do need to be extremely careful along our coastlines. Yes, you certainly do, and uh, there has been conjecture before, oh, a couple of years going on now, that the break wall should have been built in a slightly different direction to stop those huge swells. I guess they might look into that again. Well, that is something. Look, first and foremost, let's hope we have a positive result on this missing 20-year-old man. As we mentioned, uh, a young woman came forward to police late uh, yesterday afternoon around 6.37 o'clock saying, look, mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's a wave that's come over the break wall. The fellow that was walking behind me, <laughs> I didn't see him go in, but he, I can't see him anywhere. So police started a search, and then unfortunately the young man's family at a nearby park came forward and said he hasn't returned. So, yeah. he's, look, they say he's a pretty fit young bloke he was wearing sand shoes and uh let's hope we have a positive outcome here denise yes it's it's very rocky around there they do have big concrete blocks to uh, sort of support that rock wall Uh, but uh, if the waves got him and crashed him against the rocks he could have been swept out anywhere oh goodness let's hope not thank you very much denise i appreciate your call this morning that's okay we'll get ready for our lunchtime music session oh you got a lunchtime music session there (laughs) yeah Friday, we've got some Friday funnies happening. All right, well, look, if you're up there on uh, in Coffs Harbour, make sure you listen, tune in, and uh, enjoy the music this afternoon on 2HC Coffs Harbour. Thank you, Denise. Thanks, Marcus. All the best. Bye bye. All right, Jimmy, are you there, mate? Yeah, Marcus, you're looking very well, too. Thanks, Jimmy, I'm trying. Yeah, uh, look, I, I'm sympathetic to to to, 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 to uh, for your position with that wombat that keeps ringing up and quoting the Bible. <laughs> well, listen, look again. Let me be very, very, very clear, uh, and because I, I don't, I don't like, I don't go out of my way to offend people. I know I do it a lot, but it's not that I'm. I'm not an atheist by any means. I'm Catholic. Um, I'm not practicing, but uh, I mean, you know, I was baptized at Holy Family at Linfield, and I used to go to church quite often. Um, I'm Catholic. I, you know, I believe in God and all the rest of it. But what I also believe in that is, <laughs> is that there's a time and a place, and on. A forum like this on a talkback radio show, 
you know, I know that some call up and, you know, go to great lengths trying to quote passages from the Bible. Uh, and if, you know, if John is happy for um, Leone and others to do it, that's wonderful. Uh, it's just it's just not my cup of tea. Oh, I know that. God loves crazy people, you know. That's why he makes so many. <laughs> well, they're not crazy. Uh, I want to be very clear. I mean, Ralph's a little, yeah, obscure and offsetter. Leone is lovely, uh, but again, it's the same stuff all the time. Can we can we think of something else? I don't know. Like like I said earlier to Ralph, mate, it's a gorgeous day out there. Don't worry about whether or not you know you you think you're living in China because I cut you off uh, because okay, you I want... didn't ring up to talk about this. Okay, good. I <laughs> rang up to talk about something else. Yes, what do you want to talk about? I love rugby league. I used to play rugby league. Did you? For who? Yeah, I did, yeah. Only club football, nothing no, nothing, nothing international or anything. Okay, yep. I love rugby league, and I, and I love these older games because they're better than the sugar plum fairy style they're playing today. <laughs> okay. I'm serious about that, mate. Fair All enough. the rules and everything, you know, don't touch yes. any... Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, what I'm going crook about is the fact that Andrew Voss uh, on, on Foxtel... Yeah. All these games come on. You see Andrew Voss, and he's got the fan, and he's got all these show. Andrew Voss, let me tell you something, mate. The closest Andrew Voss has ever come to playing rugby league is playing pocket billiards. But Andrew, he's good. I like Andrew Voss. Don't pick on, on Andrew. Don't pick on Vossy. I don't mind Vossy. I'd prefer him than Hadley. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'll tell you what, there's far better commentators than Voss there, mate. What about Heaps? What about Graham Hughes? Well, uh, yes, great. In fact, I spoke to Graham yesterday. Somebody rang me the other day saying that uh, our talking sport boys were uh, on a movie at the start of a movie, and I spoke to Graham about it yesterday. Look, you're absolutely spot on, Jimmy. Forget Vossy. You're right. Forget Vossy. Forget Hadley. Forget everybody else. Forget the gibbering idiots down the road that ah, 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 laugh at absolutely everything. I don't know because that makes good radio for four and a half hours. Ah, um, listen to our crew. Uh, they talk sport. Funnily enough, that's why it's called Talking Sport. Across Australia on the Super Radio Network, it is by far and away the best sports program on radio. And, look, you'll be very happy, Jimmy, that there's no Vossy on it. But I do like Andrew Voss, and in my opinion, out of the current crop, he's pretty damn good. I don't mind Andrew Voss. Um, but I don't mind Ray Rabs Warren. The thing with Rabs... You don't get to hear him that often because he won't hop on a plane, for goodness sake. This is your wake-up call. Get on the phone, call Marcus Paul. Grab the phone, get on the line. Go tell the world what's on your mind. Don't believe me, just dial. Hello, Luke. How are you this morning? Hey, how are you going? All right, thank you. Oh, good. I've got a few funny bits. Apparently, the Republican Party is splitting three ways. Apparently, uh, Mr. Pence has got a plan to become the president in the in the next um, in the next election. Um, Trump, a whole lot of supporters there. Um, Lindsey Graham says that it's a disaster for the Republican Party moving forward without Trump. How on earth am I going to sleep now, knowing all of that, Luke? <laughs> how on earth? I've got some funny bits too. Remember that the, home, the homeless people whose well, whose house got on fire? Yeah. Didn't that have a huge effect? The irony of that, when you think these are the homeless people just down the road from all these crew in the um, the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, and I was looking at the word republic. It's it's republican, you know, like from a pub. Yeah. And I was thinking, it's really funny how words come together. Like uh, public, the public it's house. Hilarious. 
you know, is, is the pub. And the yeah. publican is the guy that looks after the public house. Apparently, he used to be the tax collector too. But it's Republican. Their their game is that they are of the people. Right? And are they, they, they of the people, Luke? In your opinion? Are they? No. Yes. <laughs> They're no. big big business, and I think the Democrats are pretty much the same way. So I ha- I am not on for either of them. But I tell you what, the the changes that have occurred since Biden come in came in, I think, are incredible because people are starting to. Look at the democracy and the, the plan they've got in America. It's, it's such a system, but without it, the world is in a, in, in a bit of a mess. And um, we've seen that in the last four years when, when it goes, where truth goes out the door, no transparency. And, and um, Biden has said to his workers, if I hear you um, speaking to someone, one of your co-workers without respect, you're out of a job. Yeah, you're I gone. saw that this morning. Um, yes. Uh... How did you feel about that? Oh, you know, Luke, can I be honest? I don't care. Yep. <laughs> I really don't care. I mean, it's why does it even need to be brought up if you are disrespectful to your co-workers and, you know, if you're sniping yep. behind the scenes, etc., then, well, of course, you should be showing the door. I don't think there's... Yeah. Anyway, but that's beside the point. It says here, Bill Clinton. Uh, what did you want to say about Bill? Oh, Bill, Bill was asleep. <laughs> he, I don't know. He'd probably been on a few planes to get there, but I think he was listening to Joe Biden's speech. And his eyes were closed. He's <laughs> on. Yeah. And um, what did you hang on? What did you make about uh, Donald Trump and others not being at the inauguration? Do you think that was a bit rude? I think that was that was the dumbest thing he's ever done. He could have turned up there, but the big one was at, at the um, the bury, you know, the unknown soldier. Yes. That's when it really hit home. That um, remember there was a, a while back in the Washington Post, a lot of the military got really sick. The last time Trump went to the Arlington Cemetery, yep. he started vo- voicing off, allegedly, all this stuff about, oh, they're suckers and losers. He doesn't have a connection with the American military, which is how they get their power in the world. I can understand that. But he should have gone to that inauguration because all the past presidents were there. Yep. And, and this big gulf where Donald Trump and, and his Melania could have been there. So I think he's, he's not making the right decisions at the moment because of the impeachment that's coming. Well, he's, and, making, yeah, he's making decisions for Donald Trump, and I think yep. he's always made decisions for Donald Trump. We'll leave it there. Thank you, Luke. 13 12 69 is the number if you'd like to have your say. And that's what Graham has done. Hello, Graham. How are you? Hello, Marcus. How are you? Well, thank you, mate. Uh, Australia Day, the Big Bash Cricket. What do you say? Really disappointed in Cricket Australia that they've made this decision. I feel as though that they've hijacked the day and they've taken the decision away from me to celebrate Australia Day in the way that I want to, and that's by perhaps watching the Big Bash game mm. on Australia Day. But in protest, I'm not watching the Big Bash on Australia yeah. Day now. See, that's a shame, isn't it? That's a shame because, I mean, I love cricket, I love the Big Bash, um, and that's why I think you've just given us a really good example, Graham, as to why sport and politics do not mix. We, we Don't we watch the cricket to get away from politics, for goodness sake? Yes, we do. Look, I've been an avid cricket supporter for around about 52 years, and I just feel as though that somebody in freaking Australia has made a decision on my behalf, and I never asked them to do that. Yeah, no, I if agree. Somebody, if somebody there, and I think Mel Jones is involved in this, if she's got sympathy towards thinking she may offend somebody, then I get that and I respect her opinion. But she doesn't need to force her opinion on me and the rest of the cricket-loving nation by saying, we're going to do this, that five or six people are going to make a decision. 
on behalf of the nation, I just think it's wrong and important on Harry. No, I agree. Um, that phone's a little off, but thank you, Graham. I think we've got the juxtaposition of what you're saying. Uh, basically, uh, why are people being allowed to use such big platforms like cricket, i.e. Cricket Australia, to espouse their political views on us? Again, I'd love to watch Cricket on Australia Day, but I don't want the whole thing shrouded in politics. You want to see sixes over the fence and fours crashing into the fence and not be worried about thinking whether or not we should be celebrating a day called Australia Day. Cricket is Australia, as far as I know. look at that girl with the lights coming up in her eyes. She's got to be somebody's baby. She must be somebody's baby. All the guys on the corner stand back and let her walk on by. Somebody's baby She's got to be some 
Jackson Brown, somebody's baby. Daryl, hello, mate. How are you? Hi, Marcus. What's on your mind, Daryl? Oh, I just that little uh, Australia Day. It's to me, mate. I'm not being smart or anything like that, but it's always been just a public holiday to me. It's only the last, I don't know, fifteen years that it's been such a big deal that I remember. I could be wrong. I, I yeah. It was, uh, you know what I mean, mate? I'm not trying to be smart. No, 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 don't worry about it. You can be smart if you like. It's a radio show. You know, it's all fun. Yeah. Uh, look, I I actually kind of disagree. I can remember Australia Day when I was a young bloke, probably yeah. 20 years ago or even more, um, yeah. enjoying getting the train with my mates. We put Australian tattoos on our, all over our body, you know, the ones you could stick on. We put the cork, the yeah. dorky cork hats with, you know, uh, yeah. with the cork things hanging down. And we, we'd go into the city and watch the Harbour Ferry race. Yes. It, well, we're, we're, I'm 67. You're a lot younger than that, probably, I think. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I was probably too smashed to remember when I was young or out of it, one or the other. <laughs> I'm anyway. not a drinker, mate. That's the thing. I don't. I okay. never really have been a big drinker. But look, at the end of the day, I do have fond memories of Australia Day with my mates, and you know, um, we used to go to the cricket as well. If there was a one-day game on occasionally in Sydney, we'd go there, and again, we'd dress up. We would drape the Australian flag around our shoulders. That's how I grew up. I came from Sydney's West. We do that, uh, and you were never pulled up about it, and you certainly were never made to feel bloody guilty about it either. <laughs> Having said that, though, of course, I mean, look, I, I am sympathetic and empathetic, if you like, to the plight of many Indigenous, um, but again... We need to try and sort the issue out once and for all. All we do, is, and I mentioned this yesterday on the program, we keep going around and around in the same circle and it's costing you, me and other taxpayers out there billions of dollars each and every year for us to have the same debate each and every year. It's the antagonists that get out there, uh, the Zali Steggles of this world and others who want to virtue signal their way through life I mean, there are things worth virtue signalling about, I understand that. But the Aboriginal issue, from non-Aboriginal people in particular, well, and businesses as well, and Cricket Australia, etc., well, I think what you're doing is you're turning people against you. That's what I think. 13 12 69, the telephone number, we're off to the news, and then we're back for the final hour of the John Laws Morning Show. And in wonderful news, you've only got a week of me left. Marcus Paul in the morning, filling in for John Laws. I thank Marcus. He's a very good broadcaster, full stop. We love this industry. We love what we're doing. Marcus wouldn't mind doing a double at all. Marcus Paul in the morning. Call 131269. All right, into the third hour of the John Laws Morning Show. Lawsy back on February 1. Someone who I think is happy about that is Taffy. Is that your real name, Taffy? Yeah, well, no, it's, um, I'm a Welshman. You're a Welshman, are you, Taffy? Where, where does Taffy come from? Uh, Barry, South Wales. Oh, okay, lovely. Now, uh, what have you called for, Taffy? Look, I just such good news saying you're going to be there for another week. Wonderful. I think your show is great, Marcus. Oh, okay. Um, really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. Uh, look, it's up here on the screen. I thought you were going to have a go. I was lining up some silly sound effects, and but no, that's wonderful. Oh, I'm so relieved. <laughs> oh no, I love the show. Really love it. <laughs> I'm very relieved, Taffy. And so you're a Welshman. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, I don't know much about Wales. When was the last time you went back, if you don't mind my asking? Oh, about 2012. Okay, not too long ago. And and what do you love most about your former home of Wales? Oh, the mountains. Yeah. The wild weather. (laughs) It gets a little wild and woolly there, doesn't it? Yeah, and the rugby. Oh, rugby. Well, Welsh, uh, the Welsh rugby side is pretty pretty handy, aren't they? Yes, they are, Marcus. All right. And, and whereabouts do you live now in Australia? Uh, and what made you come here, Taffy, from Wales, beside the weather, probably? Uh, oh, yeah. I live in the Blue Mountains at the moment. Okay, yeah. Well, that can get a little chilly in, uh, in wintertime. Yeah, it's not bad, though. Oh, I love the mountains. Whereabouts are you? Halfway up, three-quarters of the way up, or all the way up? Down below, Blacksland. Oh, Black, well, that's right. Well, Blacksland's lovely. You still get a bit of that heat out of the Nepean Valley, Penrith region, though, don't you? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, do we ever. <laughs> it just sits there, doesn't it, mate? And it's going to be really hot, Taffy, over the coming days, so just mm-hmm. make sure you, you know, you stay hydrated. If you have any animals, please <laughs> yeah. make sure you make sure they got plenty to drink because 40-plus for Penrith by Monday, mate. Wow, yeah. All right, you take it easy, and thank you so much for the call. I I greatly appreciate it. Okay, thank you, Marcus. Goodbye. See you, mate. Bye. (laughs) I dead set thought he was ringing to have a go. I'm half disappointed. No, I'm not. Anthony, hello. Good morning, Marcus. How are you? I'm well, thank you, Anthony. What's on your mind, my friend? Oh, a couple of things. (coughs) Um, Luke. Yes. He's a regular caller to your show and um, Poppy's show and Rosie's show and every other show. Well, he doesn't normally call me in the morning uh, for my breakfast show in Sydney, probably because he knows I find him just a little bit annoying from time to time. I don't know. Yeah. I just I, Sometimes uh, people will ring with some left-of-centre uh, conversations to be had. Uh, from time to time it's interesting, but it's always the same stuff. Yeah, I know, he needs to get over the Donald. Like, <laughs> like, you know, the Donald's come and gone, or he's still in the news, but apart from that, he's no longer the commander-in-chief anymore, so please, Luke, get over the Donald, find something else to talk about. Well, I wonder, now Donald's gone, will Luke go? I hope not. I mean, I'm sure Luke uh, has much more that he would like to talk about rather than American politics. I I can't, I still can't. Uh, again, I watch the television. We have it up in the studios here at the radio station, all the channels, and they're just obsessed. I know it looks good on TV, all the, the pageantry and all the, the flags and all the rest of it, but it's like our media's been obsessed with this inauguration. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like, yeah, fair enough. It was uh, newsworthy and needed a bit of a segment on the news, but not the bloody whole news board. Oh, well, yesterday morning was, I mean, it was bizarre. And here we see Joe Biden. He's in the Beast, which is the presidential limousine. It's travelling at four kilometres an hour down Pennsylvania Boulevard. And if you look very carefully, you'll see a police officer next to him. And and he has uh, 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 just saluted the new commander-in-chief. I mean, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, mate, you have a wonderful day. Did you want to mention Australia Day? Well, I did, yeah. yeah. I, well, I'm disappointed in uh, Cricket Australia's bloody 
attitude towards Australia Day and um, yeah. not calling it Australia Day games. They're just January 26th. Yeah, well, a couple of uh, clubs are going against that. And uh, look, I will be clear, it was only a suggestion, but it was a silly suggestion. And I see already there's pushbacks by a number of teams. I'll find out exactly from our newsroom what uh, which teams. I think it's the Renegades from Melbourne and another one, but I'll, I'll, I'll double-check with the, the girls in the newsroom. But a couple of, uh, of the teams have already said, no, <laughs> forget that. Uh, it's Australia Day. We're going to call it Australia Day. I don't know. It was a brain fart from someone in Cricket Australia that uh, just wants to virtue signal and get involved in politics. Go woke, go broke, as far as I'm concerned in this instance. Yeah, Marcus, what, what I want to say is that's probably a classic example of probably the people of the more elitist end of the world um, have no bloody idea in the world what they're poor old plebs out here actually think. If they thought that was a good idea, well... <laughs> oh, <laughs> Anthony, don't call yourself a pleb. You're not a pleb. You're very important to me because you've called the program, mate, so don't call yourself a pleb. Oh, well, well thanks for that, Marcus. It's all right, mate. Enjoy your day, OK? You too. Catch ya. <laughs> Stay cool. Bye-bye. David, good morning. David wouldn't hold on. Where have you gone, Dave? I'd love to hear from you. 13 12 69, the telephone number if you'd like to have you say. I've got a swag of emails here. Thank you for those. I'll get through them right after this break. Boys, and that's what Derek has done. G'day, Derek. How are you? G'day, Marcus. Not badly, mate. Just to uh, pick up on the comment of the uh, this uh, Australia Cricket Day debacle, Yeah. just to let your listeners know where it actually came from, the uh, Cricket Board has a a manager of inclusion, you'll be pleased to know. Yeah, I might read that, yep. Yeah, and that bloke's name is Cassidy, and he's the son of Barry Cassidy. So the ABC, wherever there's uh, political correctness and wokeness, he'll find the ABC. <laughs> well, look, um, I think uh, if people uh, want to uh, talk about this issue, it's a very important issue to talk about. I'm not, for one moment, dismissing the importance of the issue. Uh, I think that we do need no. to you know, do some better in a number of areas. But again, I and I'm, I'm on the record of saying that I just hate sport and politics missing find exactly. another platform you know exactly. <laughs> and when you mentioned cassidy the other important yep. aspect marcus is that uh, your listeners should be aware that the australian taxpayer pays 40 billion a year 40 billion to three percent of the population and i think that's pretty inclusive well, that's very inclusive. Uh, we also have uh, our uh, rich billionaires increasing yep. their wealth during a pandemic, and uh, in yep. my opinion, that raises a whole heap of questions. Yes, it, it does indeed. You know, but I, I really think that uh, I went to the test, which is fantastic with the with the Indians. Yeah, which and one, to mate? See the families and the children yeah. enjoying the cricket mm. without any of this nonsense was marvellous. Yeah, which one did you go to? Which game? The one on Friday. The one, the last one, the last day. Oh, in Brisbane? Yes. Yeah, it was oh, it absolutely marvellous. And, uh, you know, there was no, there's no sign of any racism no. or any of no. uh, convoluted nonsense, mate. No, I don't think there uh, ever was, to be perfectly honest. I think it was it all... It's a great beat up. The family, and I think the other thing is with the big bash, the tremendous look at the faces of the children. Well, that's and what, how they that's enjoy what it's for. These are the and what people. a great family thing it is. And for someone to, yep. to come in and start to interfere with that, well, it's beyond the pale, mate. No, well said. All right, thank you, Derek. Appreciate okay, it. thank you again. Good show, mate. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Ian, good morning. How are you? Good, thank you. Excellent, Ian. What did you want to talk about, mate? I just wanted to talk about how the 
media really doesn't report on really what's going on in America with the presidential election. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, it's been all over well, the news. You can't escape yeah, it. I think this, half of, well, the majority of Americans think that Donald Trump's not up to the job and Joe, Joe Biden's not up to the job. All right, well, that's and an I opinion, base, yes. No, no, I base this on <clears throat> there are about 350 million people in, Amer- in America. Yeah. There are 260 million who are 18 and over yep. and are eligible to vote. So 70 million, 75 voted for Trump, 80 for Biden. That means 100 million Americans didn't vote at all. They don't care who the president is. Well, uh, see, I don't agree with that at all. But anyway, thank you, Ian. Of course they care who their president is. They make such a big song and dance about it each and every time they elect a new one. Um, And I would have thought that's... I mean, no, that's not true. Voter turnout has been at record highs in the United States during this most recent election. Uh, There have been protests on both sides of the fence. So to say that people don't care... I mean, maybe they were a little over over it. Uh, You've also got to remember as well, this election took place at the height of a COVID-19 pandemic. So I would argue that probably a lot of people who didn't vote didn't because they either were sick in hospital, had someone uh, close to them who was sick in hospital or just couldn't get out to vote because of COVID-19. Look, I, I completely disagree to your commentary there, but thank you anyway. Oh, my mate David. Hey, David, I've got one for you before you give you give me one. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Uh, hang on now. I've just got to find the thing now. Uh, it'll... Uh, let me have a look. I'll find it in a minute. Go ahead with yours. Sorry, mate. If King Kong went to Hong Kong <laughs> to play ping pong and have a sing-song and died, what would they put in his coffin? Oh, God, I hate to ask. A lid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, somebody sent me a really good Irish joke. Are we allowed to do Irish jokes these days, or are we offended by them? I'll find it in a moment, in just a couple of moments. Thank you for a stack of emails that are coming through. Uh, I'll get through a couple now and I'll try and round them all off before uh, we leave in around a half an hour's time. This one from Glenn regarding Qantas. Over the past 10 years or more, Qantas have dispersed profits to shareholders as fully frank dividends, keeping little or nothing as cash reserves. When businesses slow down, they then expect Australian taxpayers to prop them up. The decision to pay handsome bonuses and dividends instead of ensuring sufficient cash on hand is a failure of the board. No taxpayer money anymore for Qantas, says Glenn. Mike Grill says in regards to virtue signalling. G'day, Marcus. Every year we see the Close the Gap report that shows little improvement to the lives of Indigenous people. But instead of addressing the important problems like health, employment, poverty, housing and domestic violence, etc., all we seem to get is change the anthem, change the flag, change the date of Australia Day, change the name of cheese, take a knee, and now no cricket on Australia Day. Well, cricket, but call it January 26th. I am sure that most reasonable Australians 
do support measures that actually help the Indigenous people. But have had a gutful of all this virtue-signalling rubbish. Also, everyone knows about the death of George Floyd, but there was little publicity or outrage at the recent killing of the Indigenous woman uh, who was an anti-domestic violence campaigner. Seems to me that some Black Lives Matter more than others. Cheers, Mike in the Amber. Mike... That's an outstanding email, mate. Thank you so much for it. I appreciate it. Um, In the first hour of the program, uh, we were talking about China. (laughs) That ridiculous scenario of China at the United Nations having a crack at Australia and now human rights records. Terry says another interesting fact about China's re-education camps, as they put it, is that anyone who happens to quote-unquote mysteriously disappear has their organs harvested and sold onto China's billion-dollar organ trade. In China, it only takes one month for a liver transplant to take place with a two-month maximum wait period, whereas here in Australia we have a six-month to one-year waiting list. Perhaps those Falun Gong members that are always around Hyde Park in Sydney were really onto something. Um, all right, this one from Neil. Marcus, it gives me a little thrill each time you cut off the religious callers who have come to plague the airwaves. We've had our fair share of Aiden too, but I'm really waiting. <laughs> I've really been waiting for Batty Ben, the conspiracy loon, to call you. Where are you, Ben? Yes, Ben on the Gold Coast. You've been very quiet of late, Ben. Very quiet. Uh, Mark says, Marcus, I think you have been very fair with the religious people that ring the show, and I feel that I'm sure that many of your listeners do. If we want to hear about their Lord Jesus Christ, we would go and read the Bible and go to church on Sunday. We listen to the radio for news, information, and to be entertained, uh, not to preachers on how we and their thoughts on how we should live our lives. Thank you for a wonderful show. Thanks, mate. Andrew. Executive salaries. Marcus, I think if you told someone on $23 million a year that they are getting a pay cut and are only going to be paid $10 million a year, I doubt that person would resign or seek another job because they think they are being underpaid. I can never understand how such salaries are ever justified. I could do Joyce's job as good as he does it, and I'll do it for $2 million bucks a year. Qantas, <laughs> talk to me. Well, Andrew, maybe we can send Qantas your email address. Or send me your CV and I'll pass it on to them for you, okay? Sonia. Thank you, Sonia. Marcus, quite enjoy listening to your naughtiness and frivolity during these rather serious, dead, boring COVID days. Thank you very much. I also get called a lefty, says Sonia. But who cares? Well, look, we've gone through this. Didn't we deal with this? Left, right, ah, there's no such thing, okay? These are just ridiculous terms made up by mainstream media that no one really needs to pay attention to. So don't worry about it. Thank you for standing up for the Qantas workers, Sonia Bennett. Thanks. Sonia also goes on, uh, thank you for telling people to wear masks. Um, I know these are difficult times and we have to do the right things. I wear my mask everywhere and sanitise. I still see people, especially older people, not wearing masks. Well, I suppose it depends where they are, Sonia. And for some old people, uh, breathing can be difficult. Maybe some people who aren't wearing masks who are of a certain age have medical exemptions and, of course, they are very valid. 
All right. Thank you for all of those emails. I really appreciate it. Uh, this one. My, oh, okay, here we go. A couple just from Mark before I go to the next caller. Apologies ahead of time. Mark with uh, Mark thinks he's pretty funny. Paddy runs into the pub and screams, Hey, Mick, someone's just stole your car. Mick, very upset, said, Well, <laughs> did you see who did it? Paddy said, No, but I managed to write down the number plate. Um, well, that's okay. What about this one? My neighbour was really banging on my front door at 4.30 this morning. He's just bloody lucky I was still up playing my drums. Just like that. Well, that second one was a lot better. Andrew, hello. Marcus, how are we today? I'm all right, thank you, Andrew. What's on your mind? Hey, I just wanted to talk about dates. Um, I, when, when you go to war and when you uh, invade something, it's on a day. So if I, if I invade your house that I've invaded today, um, 22nd of January, I think it is. Yep. Um, when Captain Cook first stepped foot on... Uh, Terrace Australis. It was the 29th of April, 1770. Very good so, point. Yes, that's right. I've heard in, this argument. Yep. Yeah, in theory, he invaded on that day. But then, uh, when the first fleet came in 1788, it was the 20th of January, not the 26th, the 20th. So, mm-hmm. Invasion Day, let's call it Invasion Day, was the 20th of January, in theory, 1788. So, we need to get around facts and figures of anything actually happened. Yeah, look, that phone line's getting dodgy, but I get your point, Andrew. Um, maybe if there is to be another day, what, another one? No, uh, let's just be honest, we don't need another day. There are plenty of days here in this country where we celebrate Aboriginal culture. It's There are days when uh, Indigenous folk here in our country commemorate their losses. There's so much that we do so, so much. Indigenous rounds for football. Indigenous jerseys. Uh, you know, as the, I don't need to go through it all. NADOC week. We have Welcome to Country before most major events and meetings. The Aboriginal flag flies proudly throughout most of our areas around the country. When's enough enough? I mean, again, I've got no problem with all of these things. I love NADOC Week and I love the celebration of Aboriginal culture. I think it's amazing. I think it's wonderful. I love what we can learn and I love the work that the Aboriginal folks do in regional and rural Australia. I love the hard-working Aboriginal rangers who are out protecting our national parks and our flora and fauna. All of these things are amazing. But I also love my sport. And I don't want my sport mixed with politics. Enough is enough. When are these people going to get it through their heads? Australians won't put up with it anymore. We've had enough of the virtue signalling and the hijacking of platforms like major sporting events to sell an agenda, whether it's Aboriginal affairs, whether it's something else. Enough is enough. Yeah, give us a call. Let us know what's on your mind. That's uh, my mate George Sitch, who does all of our wonderful jingles. And, of course, that is to the Bruno Mars song, Uptown Funk. Speaking of Bruno Mars... Uh. Give me 
Days, no local community transmission of COVID 19, which is wonderful news. So, zero COVID cases in New South Wales through the community, which is good news. So, uh, let's see uh, where everything lies after this weekend, and hopefully, there'll be some more easing of restrictions just in time for Australia Day. Now, I mentioned that it's going to be extra... By the way, in Brisbane, people can dance indoors and outdoors. Masks are no longer compulsory. You can have 200 people at weddings and funerals, etc. So there's well and truly been an easing, if you like, in Brisbane of COVID-19 restrictions. Uh, But we do have very hot weather conditions on the way over the weekend. So please, blokes in particular... Uh, look, I know we think we're all macho and it looks great getting a bit of a tan, but the, the news today is that, unfortunately, far too many men are now dying from avoidable skin cancer. There's been a massive spike in the amount of deaths of men from avoidable, and that's the key word here, avoidable skin cancer. Please, slip, slop and slap. 
There'll be plenty of, uh, of people getting to our watering holes, beaches, etc. today. So please make sure you look out today and tomorrow and over the weekend and certainly on Australia Day with very hot temperatures. 40-odd degrees expected around Sydney and Sydney's west. All right, National Cabinet is meeting today and on the agenda will be new travel protocols, the national vaccine rollout and the seasonal worker shortage. Let's hope it's a little more than a gab fest and some firm... That's what always bothers me about these. Every time I hear National Cabinet, I mean, it sounds funky, but hardly hardly ever anything gets decided. Again, it's a gab fest. How about some uh, decisions? And how about the Prime Minister perhaps looks at taking charge for once and maybe pulling some of these recalcitrant, that's what some people call them, uh, premiers into line. Take the politics out of it, Scott. I think that's what ScoMo needs to do. Take the politics out of it. Let's all try and get on the, the same page. But sadly, I think... It'll be all different again come Monday. Some borders will remain closed. We'll have premiers that still don't talk to each other and take pot shots at one another through the media. And people who want to go and see family and friends will suffer. Hey, but it's all right, though. Don't worry. The Australian Open Tennis will go ahead. Podcast Marcus Paul in the morning at any time. Go to 2sm.com.au and click the show page. Uh, I got an email here from Bob. Uh, Bob says, G'day, Marcus, could you please, please replay your interview with Joe Biden? It was hilarious. <laughs> well, yes, okay, it's Friday. Um, we'll do that for you. In fact, I'll do it right now. Of course, um, uh, the, the man playing the part of Sleepy Joe Biden is impersonator Keith Scott, and Keith is just brilliant. In my mind, what do you think? (laughs) Here we go. (music) President-elect Joe Biden. Good morning to you, Joe. Hey, hey, man. Man, it's Mark, 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 Deutsche Mark. It's great. Here, here, I, I'm good to be talking with you. I'm, I'm Joe the Pigeon. I'm sorry, no, I'm, I'm Joe Biden. Look, hey, this is, hey, hey, man, it's, it's happening for me. It is. Congratulations, it, you've been endorsed. Four and more you... months. Four more months. Sorry, yeah. I'm sorry. I've lost. You've lost me. Four more months until what, uh, President? That's, that's what they're. Oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm. Joe, hmm? where where am I? Joe, well, apparently hey, you're on your hey. way to your inauguration. It's the big day, my the big day, my conflagration, and I'm looking forward to this so bad. No, you know, I I gotta tell you, mm. I I I gotta practice the speech, man. You know. Well, I, I'm sure you do, but look before you what, before you let me know about the speech. Do you realise you've got a, yeah. a stack of celebrities who are in your corner endorsing your inauguration? You've got J Lo, Lady Gaga, and Tom Hanks of all people. Can you believe this, Joe? Wow, Forrest Forrest Gump. He was my role model. Well, <laughs> this I'm, I can't wait because you know he. He 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 got the the virus in in your country, and then they had to put him away. He said, "My mama always told me uh, that if you eat a a, a Wuhan uh, hors d'oeuvre, 
You never know what you're going to get. Well, you know, it's great he's going to be there, but, you know, man, I, I, I need to practice the speech. Tell me, what's the speech going to include, it's, John? Well, it's where I say, I, Joseph, I'm sorry, it's gone. Uh, no, no, Joe Biden, yes. I, being a vocational sound mind and body. No, that's the wrong. No. No, I do solemnly swear yes. that I will faithfully excrement the duties of the office of the president of the U stated knights and that I will to the uh, best of my ability mm. pre- pres- preserve and project protect, protect and depend depend on the con- mm. the constipation of the United States and and from all enemies foreign and uh Joe what? where am I uh, foreign and, and domestic and, yes. and so help us Trump a uh, god and yes. god, god bless the United States and uh, I'm so old I can't even say God bless Greece in 2000 because it doesn't work anymore. Joe, good luck on well, your inauguration. We look forward to seeing you take the oath and, and assume you, office. And uh, well, I look forward to seeing I, how the Oval Office and the White House fit you. I think you'll do I, fine. I think uh, I think it'll be a safe day. I've had Dan. Dan Andrews has offered to send a security company. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to this in a big way. I got I gotta go, man. It's time for my second sleep in the morning. All right, thank you, sir. Thanks for calling in. Gee whiz, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it, that we have the incoming U.S. President Joe Biden. <laughs> Ah, yeah, that was from the other day. Obviously, it was prior to the inauguration, and I'm hoping we can get Joe back on the program next year. James, hello. Next week, I should say. Next week. Hello. He mightn't be here next year. (laughs) How are you? Hey, Marcus, you're looking good. Red suits you better than black. Thank you. No worries. Um, Regarding all these people saying, oh, let's change Australia Day. Yep. doesn't matter, you know, that other call you had, you know, picked out, you know, that date and the 20th of January and the 29th of April or whatever it was. It doesn't matter. They're still going to complain no matter what. And the thing that pees me off the most is a lot of all the people complaining are mixed race. They're not full Aboriginal. They've got European blood in them. And yet they're complaining, well, if the Europeans hadn't come here, they wouldn't be here. Are they complaining or are they virtue signalling? That's the point. Pam, hello. How are you? Oh, hello. How are you? All right, thank you. Pam, what's on your mind? Oh, well, my son's from Sydney and he's a Uber driver. Yeah. It's compulsory for him to wear a mask. Right. But a third of the people don't wear a mask. Uh, sorry, when you say a third of the people, are these a third of the people that get into his, his yeah. car? Yes. Mm. Well, they should be wearing masks. I mean, I know Ubers aren't necessarily public transport. Do they require passengers? I never catch Uber, to be honest. I support the taxi industry. But look, if you if you hop in an Uber, are you supposed to wear a mask? I mean, I thought you would would be. Well, I thought they would in Sydney too, but not New South Wales. Okay. You don't have to wear one. Sorry. You don't have to wear a mask in New South Wales. Well, not out. No, not outside the areas that have had recent outbreaks of COVID nineteen. I mean, that makes perfect sense. But look, uh, so far as Uber drivers are concerned, personally, uh, if I'm in Sydney and if I was to hop in an Uber, not that I would. I support the taxi industry, but if I was, I'd be wearing a mask. 
and I'd insist that the driver and anybody else that was in the vehicle also be wearing a mask. You don't know these people. Uh, well, look, unfortunately, someone will always be offended. On the text number 0458-049209, my father died of dementia. It's not funny, you effing airhead. Uh, Look, I don't know whether this is a real text or not. It looks pretty fake to me because I would have thought if your father had died of dementia, you'd know that it's not spelt anywhere near the way you spelt it. D-I-M-E-N-S-I-A. Nice try. Dementia, D-E-M-E-N-T-I-A. Last time I checked, I think I got that right. It's certainly nowhere near the way you've spelt it, my uh, SMSer, and I think it's a fake uh, text. But anyway, someone's always offended, and if it is true, and of course, of course, I'm always sorry and, and desperately sorry to hear when people pass away from dementia. Dementia is horrible. It's horrible for the sufferer. It is horrible for family and loved ones seeing it happen. However, dear texter, if you think that a satirical skit on Joe Biden is done to poke fun at dementia patients, well, I'm sorry, then you're obviously not listening properly. Your listening's as bad as your spelling. All right, Andrew, good morning. How are you? I'm back. I got cut off before, mate. Sorry. Yeah, right. Oh, that's much better, Andrew. Much better. Go yeah. ahead, mate. Go ahead. Now, look, I just want to clarify, too. I wasn't suggesting at all there would be another day. What I'm suggesting is that people don't understand history, and therefore these people, including our Indigenous brothers and sisters and the, oh, I shouldn't say it, the university students who like to follow them along, they're, they're protesting the wrong day. That's the problem. So they need to get on and, and, and combine with us and celebrate the fact we live in the best country in the world. That was the point I was trying to make. They just, they're not in any way doing themselves any favours. Okay, they, we were they proclaimed on that day, but we didn't. There was no invasion. If they want to look at an invasion, it happened on a completely different day. They should just look at the 26th of January as being a great day rather than, than a, a day that they shouldn't be protesting anyway. I love that idea. Uh, sadly, there'll be... And the problem is, and I don't know whether it was you or somebody else that brought up the, the fact that a lot of people who are virtue signalling and, and using this day as a platform to do so are usually uh, people of non-Indigenous background, and that's a concern for me anyway, and I don't know. Um, again, I, I would have thought we had enough days, to be honest. Sure. We, we do, but look at your last text message about dementia. Let's let's stop. We can we should be able to laugh at ourselves. Let's laugh at yeah. the, the Irish, the English, the black, the white, the orange. I remember when I yeah, went on a plane yeah. to the United States, I asked for a black tea with two sugars, and the lady said, "You mean white? Uh, you mean white without?" Now, okay. I, <laughs> I want a black. I want a black tea. I don't want a white without. I want a black tea. Oh. We just let's get on with let's get on with life. Put a smile on our faces. Cherish every day we're here, whether you're religious or not. I'm not religious, so I don't give it. The thing is, just let's just make the most of what we have, and it's, it's a great country. What a great way to end the show this week. Thank you for the call, Andrew. Have a wonderful weekend. Cheers. See you, mate. Bye-bye. This is... Come up the dial and give us a trial. Marcus Paul in the morning. You make me smile like the sun. For me, uh, one more week on the John Laws Morning Show. Lawsy is back Monday week, of course, um, which will be the first day of February. 
So one more week and then the king of Talkback returns, Lawsy, to do it properly for you on Monday week, okay? Have a wonderful, safe weekend. Try and stay cool. It will be hot throughout most of our listening areas, so please try and stay as hydrated as you can. Look out for your pets and those most vulnerable to the heat. And have a wonderful weekend. We'll catch you again around midday New South Wales. Uh, sorry, around 9 o'clock New South Wales time on Monday. Take care. Bye. Bye.